Shout out to the late Chester Bennington. May he rest in peace. Welcome to the Meister Movie Podcast, episode 11. Ah. That was Chester, the guy, that was the lead singer from Linkin Park? That was him goofing off with, like, he's doing, like, a, he's doing, mocking, like, didgeridoo sounds into, like, random objects, like a water bottle, even a lemon, stuff like that. What a what goofball. He was such a personality. I miss him every day. Um. So yeah. Oh, that. Uh, we're. <laughs> My mind is everywhere right now. I have been looking forward to this review for uh, such a long time now. We yeah. are. We are of course talking about Star Wars: The Last Jedi, the discussion, because. I am not entirely comfortable taking notes in a theater, <laughs> so I'm not going to jot down notes. Yeah, but, you got to go, if you want to do something like that, you got to go like super early in the morning right. when you don't think anyone's going to be there, Right. and uh, then you won't bother anyone with taking notes, or wait a while for the movie to be out. Plus, I'll be, I feel like I'll be too distracted from the actual movie. Yeah, it does take you out of it, which is why if I take notes... For a movie or something like this, I tend to do it on my second or third time. I like the first time I watch it to be a little bit more pure. Right. So, uh, of course, The Last Jedi, directed, written and directed by Ryan Johnson. Now, in my prediction video, I lamented that I was afraid of what he was going to do with my Star Wars. And I can... We're going to go spoiler free, real quick. We're going to go spoiler free for like the first, hopefully, ten minutes. If we cannot so go any further, about, you don't want to talk about when Palpatine came up from the grave and started break dancing in front of everybody, right off the bat. No. Um, oh, all right, I'll hold off. I'll hold off, folks. So hopefully we'll go ten minutes spoiler free, and hopefully ten minutes. I know that I know how long these things go. If we cannot go any further without going into spoilers, then proper warning will be given, and we'll just go off. So let me get. So, let me give my thoughts first. I absolutely... Okay, I've seen this movie twice. I absolutely adore this movie. This movie is awesome. Like, I love almost everything about it. There's about... There is a particular section of this movie that could have been left from the, uh, from the final cut, but... This movie, I I pretty much loved every beat of it, almost every 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 beat of it. Brian Johnson, like I said in the predictions video, I was afraid what he was gonna do with my Star Wars. I can safely say he took a lot of risks and made this movie such a departure. Like I look at this movie and I say. This is a this is like a total like wipe of the complete structure of what a Star Wars movie is while maintaining that it is a Star Wars movie. It just like he took the elements of a Star Wars movie and all the speculation, all the fan speculation going into it, everything I feel I felt like I almost felt like an idiot after I saw it, after after I've seen it twice. I feel like an idiot. Because there are all the months of speculation, all of the all the talking, all the theorizing, just 
laid waste to it. And he laid waste to it in the best possible way. Now. And plus, his visual style... Like, I believe full-heartedly this is a... Like, visually, this is a Ryan Johnson movie. I believe that. Um, And visually, there is a... I'm not going to say it now. But there is a moment in this movie that sucked the air out of the room. Well, there are multiple instances of that. But visually, there is a moment that sucked the, sucked the air out of the room both times I saw it. And this, like... It was what CGI was meant for. Okay, I've said all that. Now, the real thing... You, I'm... Say, suck, you say suck the air out of the room. Do you mean that in a good way or a bad in way? In a good way. In a good way. In okay, because usually when people say that, they don't they don't mean it in a good way. Okay, never mind. Okay. Once, once you, you guys knew that, what I mean. Talking about, I, I understand what you're talking about without getting into spoilers, and in that moment, I was like, I, I don't think you meant that. Right. So, because I, I I wholeheartedly agree with the point you're making. So, I have waited, like I said, I have wa- I have waited all week for this, or like I've waited all weekend for this. Alex, you were worried that Ryan Johnson was going to be pretty much forced to make a remake of a, a remake of Empire in the same way that Force Awakens was a remake of A New Hope. You have yeah, seen this movie. Too. You have seen this movie now. Uh huh. What did you think? I think it sucks. It's <laughs> a piece of poop. I think it. I think it smells like lettuce. Um. No, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um. It. It. My biggest fear was yes that it would be that story wise and the beat and the structure would be a lot of the same as Empire. Not even necessarily like. That they would just, you know, bring characters back or do things visually that they were saying that they would just steal story beats like they did in Force Awakens. But one of the things that I was okay with in Force Awakens in terms of them doing that was I hoped that they would be to produce a new story. That they were setting up pieces to create a new um, interesting story. And that is exactly what they did. Last Jedi is... it, it it is probably my favorite Star Wars story in any of the films. It has the best story in any Star Wars film that I uh, have seen. It, it has meat. It's thematically amazing. It's dramatic. It's compelling. And I'm talking about all three basic stories that go on in the film. There's, there's three stories that you follow that all basically connect in one way uh, as the whole of the film. But each and every one of them had meat to them, had character, had depth expanded the universe expanded the mythology not all of them were necessarily equally compelling i think some stories were way more dramatic and compelling than uh some of the others but they all had meat to them you could you the moment i walked out of this movie i'm like i could think about this for a long time i don't think about star wars i think about how much fun i had watching star wars i think about how much fun it is to watch new hope I don't think about the impact of Empire until you get to the end. It's like, ah, oh, this is a fun movie, and it's interesting as it builds the mythology. But once you get to that end, you're like, oh, that's crazy. Um, and the other films don't, I think, really compare to the level of those two. And I think this one does, but more particularly than anything in story. The, yes, the visuals are great. Yes, the actual rhythm and vibe of the movie is paced pretty well. Uh, I, I think it's a bit long. 
And I think, yeah, some stories don't necessarily work as well as others, but it's still paced very well for a two and a half hour long movie. Uh, but most importantly, its story is so good. It's, it's connected to character. It's connected to plot. It's connected to everything. The story is what drives it. The story is the meat on just this really huge, gigantic, epic movie. It's, it, it really took me by surprise. Now, like, now we both, okay, I'm glad, I'm, I, I purposely did not ask you what you thought of the movie when you first saw it. What I presume, presumably Friday night. I purposely avoided asking you because I wanted to save it for the podcast. Um, now, I have... I, 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 thought, I thought that was what you're doing and I, I thought it was the smart move. Yes. I already today have had to defend defend myself. This, in how it's so great, in our opinion, or at least in my opinion, I think this is like, this is like, like mind-blowing this movie this is the most divisive movie i've pretty much ever seen i think there are things that are mind-blowing about it but i don't know if the movie as a whole is mind-blowing yet but would you agree with me in that like from the feedback that i've seen this is pretty much like the most divisive star wars movie in a i want to say since empire Hmm. This was really. This is a really divisive film. People cannot make their minds up about it. It's still pretty fresh. I think um, it depends on what people are looking for. The thing about Star Wars fans is that they were asking very particular questions. They have very specific expectations about their film. They don't want them to go certain ways, or at least to, at the very least, change scares people. It always has. So I can see a lot of people looking at this film and being like, this isn't a Star Wars film to me. Um, it's good, but it's not great. I didn't like a lot of the choices. They didn't go the way that I thought it would. And I do see those things. I, I felt that way about things that I'm passionately a fan of. But I think in this case, it all works. It works really well. And like, but So you agree with me that... I'm wa- So I'm watching this movie and I'm like... They and I and I walked out like I walked out of it the first time. Okay, and I'm like, okay, I've seen the movie now. I could see what everybody's talking about. So I, so I watched some of the spoiler reviews and I read some of that. And something struck me in one review, and I'm just like, certain deci- certain things that happen in the movie, and, and this point sticks out to me. I feel like I've, I said this is one of my to one of my friends um, after I saw the movie. I said. Star Wars is built on poetry, like in that it rhymes. That, as that's per George his, Lucas, uh, hope. That's 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 his goal. That was George Lucas's goal, correct? Yeah. And now that we've seen this movie, I can I pretty I think I could safely say that Force Awakens was a way to reintroduce people back to the Star Wars that they know and love, and esta- and then J.J. Abrams did his mystery box thing and established mystery established mystery and intrigue and all that and then ryan johnson comes in takes a sledgehammer to the whole idea (laughs) if that's if that's what happened it'll be interesting to see jj come back and pick up the pieces again like he am i wrong though i feel like he just took a sledgehammer to the whole poetry structure of star wars am i wrong here Uh, 
I it's hard to say because we don't know what happened behind the scenes. Ryan Johnson was always going to be the second director, and J.J. Abrams was always going to be the first one. And and the, I think they he they picked J.J. Abrams because they wanted him to safely start things, and I think he did. He set up things very nicely, but I wanted those things to be drastically different, and I wanted them to pick somebody who could make something drastically different, but that was also a Star Wars movie. And I think Ryan Johnson can do that. He can make things that are different within the genre that they exist in. And that's exactly I, I, what he did. <laughs> I, I think that's exactly what he did. But I also think that there is poetry in this film. I do think that things do rhyme in this film. I do think that things move uh, properly in this film. Maybe not as uh, it's not as upfront. It's not as heavy handed. It's not as let me hold your hand to get you to this point as the other ones. But there are moments in this movie that it took me a, a little bit of time to realize, wow, that is that is that rhymes that connects to the other stories on a, on a structural level, on an emotional level, on a character level, those beats are in there. But, okay. And one other thing, like this, okay. I understand. Like after the predictions video, I've totally, I was totally in that mindset. I was like, okay, I should probably temper my expectations here. Cause like, and then see what would be a more compelling story. Like, like, like I said, I felt like an idiot afterwards. I'm just like, what the heck was I doing? <laughs> like, I'm thinking about this movie, thinking about all the different directions it goes. Like, okay, if Star Wars logic, if we were talking about Star Wars logic, it would do this, this, and this, and this and that would happen. And then this movie comes out, and I'm just like, I am such an idiot. <laughs> like... You were like I you mean, were I, totally right. We were asking the wrong questions. Yeah, yeah. We were asking the completely wrong questions. Yeah, it's amazing. It was amazing. They, I, I think they wanted you. I think they wanted fans to to be interested in. I, I think they wanted to pull the magician's trick where they're like, look look at this hand, so that you don't notice what the other one's doing, so that when the actual surprise and shock comes, you're like, oh, that was crazy. And I think that's what they were doing. They were kind of like, "Look, who's raised, who's raised parents? Who's what's this question mean?" And then they didn't expect the fans to get so aggressive and so um, specific about it, so that when it actually came to the um, reveal, uh, I could see fans looking at it and being like, "This A doesn't match my expectations," or B, it, it why did you ask this question in the first place then? Why did you pose this question? Why not, Why have I asked this question for so long? Because you put it in my head. And then audience members feel a little bit gypped and a little bit unfair, not really taking the time to actually think about what the decision in the story actually meant. Where is the conflict going to arise? Where is the story going to go now? Does it make sense? Is it rooted in character? Whether you like it or not, is it going to produce something that might actually resolve in an even bigger catharsis and an even bigger, happier ending than you ever thought? Let's talk about performances. Mark Hamill, Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver, Carrie Fisher, Oscar Isaac. These people were born to act. I happen to think Benicio Del Toro was actually pretty. I did too. too. Like people complain and we'll get into it. People will complain about how his character really is, and then I'm just, and then I tell people it's like, okay, you can make him, you can make him 
this specific way that to your expectations, though, how are you going to remember him any other way? How are you going to identify him that that's that guy? That he is that guy? Like, True. how would you remember him? Because, it, cause like, I feel like if they made him, if they made him what people were expecting, then maybe he's not memorable. So they put him in an unmemorable, unmemorable role. Uh, then the tipping into spoilers here, they put him in an unmemorable role, but made him a memorable enough person. I feel like that's what they did with well, him. That, well, that to me is. That's what you should do in sci-fi and fantasy. You should, at every turn, run into characters that are incredibly interesting, that you want to know their backstory. Like, everybody freaked out about Boba Fett, basically because he was a toy and had a cool costume and guns and stuff, but then they created amazing, cool backstories about this guy. If if, If Benicio Del Toro is only in this movie of the trilogy and doesn't do anything but what he did, I still am happy they picked a really good actor who was fun at his ticks and probably had a good time at it. That was kind of edging the audience as to whether we should care about him or not because of his status as an actor. Uh, and even though the part may not uh, have much weight to the story as you might think, it means it doesn't. It means two things: a, he was a fun character that we got to experience with ideas and beliefs that expanded our view of the Star Star Wars universe. And laid the groundwork for the new movies that are going to come. And B, he didn't. He may come back. We right. may not have seen right. the last of him. Um, Laura Dern, she was good. This purple hair lady. Yeah, so, I forgot her name too. Uh, no, I I remember the name, Vice Admiral Haldo. I just that's what everybody identifies her as. Haldo. Haldo. What? Yeah. Uh, Vice Admiral Adeline Haldo. Hold on, Haldo, a second. What's her name? <laughs> um, let's see. What am I, what were we missing here? Uh, Andy Serkis as uh, Snoke. Spot on. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty, com- pretty, pretty good. compelling. It's, uh, he he has a great voice in that moment. Um, there was a review that I watched that this guy said. Andy Serkis as Snoke may have been his best performance all year. I'm just like, heck no! <laughs> well, I, I haven't seen War, but I would I would guarantee for the sheer fact of screen time in War, like he's the lead of War. He's he's in so many scenes, and he he's he's got the weight of two other movies on his shoulder. Like the I haven't seen War, but I can tell you right now, there's probably a far more compelling performance. Yes, there is. Trust me, I see. I've seen it. There is. Um, yeah, I, I I don't need a lot to not agree with that guy. Uh, let's see here. Who else? Um, the uh the porgs, the porgs were, um, the porgs were good. They were not yeah, Ewoks. I could take, I could take or leave them. They weren't as uh egregious as Ewoks, but at the same time, they didn't really do much either. Right. They annoyed they... Chewbacca. That's about it. <laughs> there was some great comedy in this movie, too. Who wants to annoy Chewbacca? He just lost his best friend. There was some great comedy in this movie. I will tell you right now. <laughs> I, I A lot of people um, don't know what to do with it um, that I've talked to. Some people don't know how they feel about it. I think 
in in a lot of cases it works and in some cases it's more odd to me than anything else like it i'm not laughing i'm sort of like huh that's <laughs> interesting uh it puts a smile on my face but I, it doesn't necessarily make me laugh i i don't know if it's necessarily that it was too kidsy or that it just didn't hit me right. I would have to see some of those a second time, but most of the jokes landed for me. Um, John, oh yeah, John Boyega and uh, Kelly Marie Tran as Finn and Rose, they were all right. Yeah, they were all they were all right. They got the I short end her, of the stick. I will say that. I, I liked her a lot. I thought she was very good. She won me over very quickly. Oh yeah, and then um. And then I lo- I I love John Boyega, but I agree. I feel like he has an arc here and he has a story, but it doesn't really have the weight of everything else going on in the movie. So it almost feels like it's not good enough, which it sucks because he's not doing anything bad. He's he's performing uh, really well, um, and it's solid. Like he's still Finn. Uh, but there wasn't any moment in it where I was like, yeah, like Finn grew as a person necessarily in a different person since the first film. Right. Um, like I say, I think he, I think they, with everything else that was going on in this movie, I think they drew the short stick. And they said, I, all I right. Think there, I think when you look at what that's, that movie has in those three stories, Poe's story, is uh, incredibly dramatic and gives you a lot of a uh, uh, human um, drama involving the resistance, only to um, have its conflict and its tension and its suspense built to um, maximum by the by the third act of the film. Like it, 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 not only was it like an interesting decisions made by interesting characters, by the end of it, you're like, oh my god, what's going to happen to these people? And that just his story alone, I thought was great, but it's really, really dramatic. And uh, Ray and um, Luke Skywalker are great because there's who is Ray and what's the what's up with her? How, what is her connection with Kylo building? And then Luke's history being built up and what's happened to him and the kind of person he is now. That's all extremely compelling on so many levels. It's ridiculous. So when you get to and in Rose's story of having to find this codebreaker guy to help the fleet out in this process, and they go on this adventure, which is it's just that. It's an adventure. It's supposed to be fun. That's the thing. Those other ones are dramatic and compelling and super serious. This was supposed to be the fun part. Everyone was supposed to enjoy the ride of seeing kids help and 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 animals running around free and seeing rich people get it stuck in their faces. Like that sort of stuff is meant to be fun while at the same time build the world of Star Wars uh, more and give you an idea of that, you know, some people profiteer from this war. Some people live in a higher society. Some people are still stuck in caste systems on on this one planet alone. All of that is really, really interesting and really fun, and it would have been top-notch in a uh, side story of... Um, of the of the Star Wars movies, if it if it was his own Star Wars movie where Finn had his own movie, I would have enjoyed it. But in when you compare it to what is going on in the other stories and how serious they are, it does not hold water. It doesn't hold weight. It just doesn't match up in 
in drama or just being as compelling as the other one. There, it's fun. It's interesting. It has a lot of ideas that are uh, that are fun to discuss. It has a lot of comments about war, about the world, both the fictional one they've made and the one that we actually live in, about who actually is um, bred out of these places and what kind of people they become once their uh, perspectives get broadened. All of that stuff is there. It's just not nearly as interesting as what Ray and Poe are going through. So it hurts it. It's not bad. It's just not as uh, dramatic or compelling. Okay. <clears throat> We're tipping on the edge of spoilers here. So before we go into it, um, there was a moment involving Haldo, which I won't get into, um, where in this moment absolutely made me fall in love with Ryan Johnson, like immediately. So what were you, what was your reaction to that moment? I don't necessarily know if I know what moment you're talking about. Um, it involved, um, involved, uh, hmm. How can I say this without going into spoilers? Are, are you talking about she, the thing that you were talking She's doing... Are, are you doing... the thing that... Were you, are you mentioning the thing that you had mentioned before? Yes. And we confused what the word was? Okay, yes. yeah. So what's your question about that again? What did you think? Uh, astonishing. Astonishing. Uh, 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 effing astonishing. Like, I didn't know a man was capable of pulling that out of their head well here's the thing i actually have an i i actually have some ideas about that that we can go in in the spoiler section because it's very detailed but a lot of it has to do with the simplicity and the difference of how that moment was approached um and when we get to the spoilers part i think i can sort of maybe bring some interesting ideas to the table about what ryan johnson might have been doing but in the moment uh, everyone in the theater, everyone in the theater was shocked. Yes. Everyone in the theater was, was so happy that they got to see something like that, that they experienced that with a group of people on the screen. And there were people in that room that I knew did not care about Star Wars as much as some of the other people in that room. And everyone, everyone was compelled. Everyone was like, whoa, I just saw something different. And I felt it. And that is the power of movies. Yes. That, that, to me, is the power of movies. CGI was it's not, specifically... It's not my favorite moment in the film, but it is one of the best moments in that movie. It's, it is it is a moment that I believe CGI was built for. Like, like that's what, explicitly, that's what it's meant to do. Um, so, this is it. We're, uh... It's a solid rating. It's a great movie. Go watch it. You'll have your own opinion. Like, and one more thing before we go into spoilers. This movie and the reaction to it thus far, I feel like, okay, you're, what you said in the prediction video, Alex, was pretty much spot on in that I think opinions of this movie are going to be much more relevant six months from now. Because this yeah. movie is fr- this movie's fresh on my mind, um, and I absolutely love it. I I we'll see what happens six months from now, but I absolutely love this movie. 
Um, yes. Uh, so, okay. We're going into spoilers. If you have not seen Star Wars The Last Jedi, get out from under that rock and go and watch it. Because um, it's a good movie. Okay, if you don't necessarily like Star Wars, I think it's a good enough movie that you'll en- you will enjoy you will enjoy it as its own thing. Um, like I, when when I when I talk to people who don't necessarily understand or haven't seen Star Wars, I I make it very clear that Star Wars is is very fun and everyone can get into it. But there's only a few of the movies that you should that you should be able to watch and be utterly entertained by in some aspect. I think the first movie is a great fun ride. I think the second movie is an unbelievable sequel. It's one of the best sequels ever and really only works on the level that it does if you have seen and enjoy the first movie. And the third one is a great conclusion. It's one of the best conclusions around if you just look at what happens with Luke and Vader. But this this film, I would say, is one of those films. I would look at people and be like, if you... Watch, started watching Star Wars and just started watching all the films. This would be one of the films that you would that you should look out for. This would be one of the reasons that you watched all the other ones. It's super good. It's got a lot to talk about. It changes things. It's great looking. It, it just has so many great moments. So many great moments. It's just a movie and a Star Wars movie. Uh, it just it really elevates what I think these stories could tell. All right. Spoilers, if you have not seen, like I said, if you have not seen The Last Jedi, turn away now. I already got your view. Whatever. Um, okay. So Palpatine <laughs> takes a cardboard box. He cuts it up. Hold on, Alex. Hold on. He a bandana over his head, and he just starts break dancing. <laughs> Spoilers. So, um, let's, so the beginning of this movie is just like, it, it puts us like, I love how they introduced us to this movie, like straight up. Um, like, the, like, okay, hang on. I'm jumping, I'm going to jump over and just like, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, I feel like I'm going to jump around. So let me prioritize my, my stuff. Did you think they were going to kill Leia when the cockpit blew? Yes, I I thought that I totally thought that Leia was gonna go. In fact, in fact, watching thinking about the movie after that happened, I was like, how many characters had that moment in the movie? How many characters had moments where you thought they were gonna die and they didn't? Almost every single one of them. Right. Like Finn has one. I totally thought they were gonna kill Finn. I was, I was sold. Like, oh my god, I was they're like, gonna do it. They're gonna, they're gonna, gonna do, do it. it. Oh my god. <laughs> And then and then they do, and then they I thought they were gonna kill um, Rose too. I was like, oh maybe they might kill Rose, and then she doesn't. Uh, maybe they might kill Ray with um, with what's going on with Snoke. Like that'd be crazy. Maybe they'll kill Kylo Ren. And there's only a handful of people who actually die and then like die that are important. Like the main right. characters all have like they all they all have almost death. It's crazy. There was so many like this movie had so many twists. Like okay, it had twists and then T's and then sub- and then like and then they turn the T's on its head and then they do another like and they do another tease into another direction and then it goes into another direction. It's great. This movie is so awesome. And to, to me, there's a lot of like subversion of ideas. Yes. Like, the 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 mystery of who's 
uh, uh, the two like kind of big mysteries that were left behind in the other movie is is Kylo Ren someone who can be saved and turned? You know what? Where? What kind of humanity are we seeing outside of his evil? And where does Rey come from? Who is she? What does she have to get over in order for her to uh, evolve as a character? And they take the mystery of who her parents are and the fact that Kylo may actually be turnable. And they ride that all the way out to the last possible moment, only to completely subvert the idea and make you realize that the entire time, the entire time, Kylo just wanted to pull a coup. So... Let's talk, okay, let's talk about the let's talk about like the okay um so let's, okay let's build uh, okay let's build up to this let's build up to the bigger points of this movie um so Leia floating through space well actually I want to take a I want to take a second here okay um to talk about the beginning the beginning has right. a lot of fun like interesting great stuff it's got you know poe flying around being cool joking and making fun of Hux. that was great and uh, making, making interesting decisions with the bombers but my th- there's a lot of moments in this movie that i think are separate from each other that still make a, a perfect whole and for me this is probably my favorite ryan johnson moment of the movie was the last bomber uh roses i'm assuming oh sister. Yes. 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 yes 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 page that, the way that is edited the way that shot how that entire story is told through visuals i was like this is what ryan johnson can do this is what i want to see the whole movie as but it's not the whole movie the whole movie is a star wars movie not entirely his but this is the moment that they gave him to do this with and i was like oh this is great just her decision the moment the the way it looked the way it played out everything it was like I'm like I'm literally watching it and I'm, and I'm on the edge of my seat watching it. It was like whoa, you know, like uh like that to me is the Spielberg and Ryan Johnson that people think that they see in JJ Abrams. I I can agree with that. Um that to me beautiful storytelling on an image level that is powerful and emotional and great. And it worked, and and so like, so yeah, the beginning of this movie, um, first order finds the resistance base, uh, Poe Dameron basically disables a dreadnought all by himself, and then says like, okay, we could we could take out this dreadnought. Leia's like, no, we gotta get out of here. There's only so many of us. So then Poe ignores her, then says, send the bombers, send the bombers, and so Poe in this act of heroism, like, single handedly just cost the lives of, like, of all... They wiped out the entire bomber fleet. Yeah. And there was... There were only so many ships, but there was... But at the, but in the size of the Resistance at the time, that's huge. And I felt that, I think. Yeah. Like, that's on... Yeah. And they explicitly mention to Poe, that's on you. That is your fault. And then, so, Leia and him are having an exchange. And then he's in this, like, he's a hothead. Like, you know, he's a hothead. And he's like, we just took down, we just took down the, like, those things are fleet killers. And then Leia's just, and then Poe's like, there were heroes on that mission. And then the, the, 
the defining line for Poe's arc in this movie was when Leia told him they were they are dead heroes, none of them leaders. Yeah. Boom! That hit so hard. That hit so hard. God, I love this movie. Um, like I knew, I think I knew from there. I'm like, this is this one's. I, I, to me, I felt like okay. From then on, this one's this one's special. This one, like, if it wasn't for this, like, if it wasn't the space battle that told me we're in for a ride, it was. I feel like it was that line. I'm just like, we're in for it. <laughs> we are in for a ride. Um. And then, and so you wanted to. How did you feel about Finn waking up? That was hilarious. <laughs> like he wakes up. <laughs> I like how, I like I like how he, he wakes he, he wakes up, and then after this whole after the whole ordeal, it's like it's like BB-8. Ryan Johnson said at Star Wars Celebration that like. Everybody had this expectation of this movie's going to be super dark and all that because it was Ryan Johnson, if nothing else. Um, and then he came out and said, like, and it's like, what are you going to do? People were asking, what are you going to do with BB-8? And, it's like, and then he said, I think he said, like, BB-8's kind of like the Buster Keaton of this, of this movie. To which I'm like, not exactly on point, but I get what you're saying. Um, um, I would say he's more of a... Um... Um, he's way, I would say he's more of a Charlie Chaplin or a Harpo Marx. Sure. Uh, he's not, he's not as anarchic as Harp, as Harpo Marx. He's more playful and innocent, but still, um, the, uh, a shenanigan based hero. That's kind of what Charlie Chaplin was. So yeah, Finn waking up and BB-8 being like, Finn naked bag thingy, what? (laughs) Finn's walking around. Finn's walking around. I think it was like ship. I think it was like Finn naked bag leaking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was I, I I personally enjoyed that. Um, uh, now I I want to talk about this now because they really don't get into it too much and, and I just want to get it out of the way. Sure. He wakes up and he says, Where's Ray? And then there are a bunch of times in the film where Ray makes it very clear that she's thinking about and wondering what's up with Finn. And then she sees him with Rose at the end. And what, what, how does that make you feel? What is that? What kind of feelings do you think about when you see that? Um, well, no one can actually say there wasn't something there between the two. After the first movie, Agreed. He, certainly, he certainly was attracted to her in the last film for sure. And I think vice versa, the way, Ray seemed to feel about it. Look like the way she looked like she was yeah, feeling I about think, it. I think she liked him, but I also think she understood that there was something like really serious going on with her that was like way more important than God, this guy's cute. Right. Um, I do find it interesting that in this film, they they have it as an underlying thing, just a, a minor little heartbeat that pops up every now and then. Right. Um, by the way, about that end, um, I know we're jump, we're jumping around people. We know, we know we're jumping around. Well, I want to talk about it now because it happens throughout the film, but it happens very little. Right. 
And it's a, it's a simple question. Where do you think you, they're going to take that? I think... I think they're going to take it to... I think they're going to go... I think they're going to go Finn and Rose. I think that's what they're going to do. Because... Now, and I also want to talk about this now, because, like, so, the only reason we discussed it on the, on the prediction video is because it was, like, it was, like, a subject of conversation that was indeed happening, and so I decided, okay, we should just, probably should just talk about it. So, apparently, in the Force Awakens novel, Ray and Poe met for the first time, when they brought back Finn from Starkiller Base. That is not canon anymore. This exchange between Ray and Poe is now canon. And I'm I am 100% sure you caught this. I'm 100% sure you caught this. Poe walks up to her and says, "Hey, I'm I'm Poe." Ray says, "I'm Ray." They have a handshake. Poe immediately says, "I know." Where have we seen that before? Uh, that's, that is interesting. I think that's pretty, I think that's pretty cool. I think that's a fair call out. You can say that that's a, to- that that's a little, I think you can make a, an argument and a theory around him saying, I know, I know, but, um, the, the other question would be, do I like them together? Would it be compelling to see them together? Ray is kind of new aged, um, millennial Jedi Knight and him kind of being this read is, into the leader of the resistance. This is and go ahead. I don't know how they, how I would feel about them together. I think they would be very interesting because he's constantly positive and constantly fun, but um, I I don't know if that's necessarily what she needs. Right. It's um, a good match. Yeah, this is one of the things I have a problem with with canon. There are no hard facts. You know, about things that are important. Like, some, like I get, like, open to interpretation from a certain point of view. That's what this whole, like, that's what canon is basically. That's what this, that's, that's, a, that's an underlying theme that people don't, that, I did, that people don't see during the throne room sequence. And we'll talk about that for, uh, well, this from a certain point of view. My favorite new thing, this has become my favorite new thing to say to fans about stuff. This happened in a galaxy far, far away a long time ago, man. <laughs> Give it a little bit of give it a little bit of leeway. Um like there's no So like in the Force Awakens novel Like like I like I've like I said in the predictions video, I'm no calling back to that a lot. Ray's twenty years old in the Force Awakens. Probably closer to that, probably same age. Yep, yeah, definitely same age. Um and then Poe was born I think almost immediately after Endor. So there's like a te- so canon wise, there's a ten year gap to them. Take that what you will. I'm not certain that works. Well, I mean, my father is six years older than my mother, and they're same. One of the best best couples I've ever seen. That's just four more years of a difference. Same. Like I I don't know, I don't know what to think of that. I don't know. I don't know. I think if you think about those numbers, it's one thing. There's no hard facts. Think, I think if you think about those numbers within the realm of the world they live in, 
I mean, they she may be twenty and he may be thirty, but they're pretty grown up. They've, they could both be the same age things. at this point. Like I don't know what to think anymore. I would say that if she's twenty, he looks. I wouldn't be surprised if he was thirty. Yeah, he looks about thirty to me. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I could get. I could even see twenty-five. Yeah, and our our like <laughs> not my hill to die on. Let's be honest. More than anything, he loves BB-8. Oh yes, I like that. I like that pet pen or, pet owner relationship. I like that. I like that. That's yeah. how that's that's how it's come to. Yeah, he loves that robot. He does love that robot. Um, Canto Bite was bad. <laughs> that whole bit. What? I'm just like, what is this doing in this movie? Now, what what was Canto Bite again? Uh, the Casino Planet. See, I think uh, I didn't think any of that was bad. I actually thought a lot of that was fairly interesting and had a lot of social commentary that was that was relevant to the world we live in today, but also relevant to the story that they were trying to tell and could tell in other movies. It, it broadened the world while at the same time talking about societal issues that are universal even to us. And I thought that was great. I just didn't think it was as compelling as everything else going on. So it looks severely weaker. It's like building a table with four legs, but one of those legs is just a little bit shorter than the other. Um. Okay, I, I like when I was watching it. I'm like, okay, I get what they're doing. I get what they're trying to say, but I felt like it could have been executed better. That's just me, though. That's just me. But what do you mean by execute better? The way it was shot, the way that, that was, the way that the... the way it flowed. I think I just don't like how when I was watching it. I'm like, is this movie trying to be Zootopia and just try to cover all bases, like like all Wait. topics or something like that? First of all, I don't think there's anything wrong with the when you really look at the structure of that story. Nothing happens. It's just a fun adventure that doesn't mean anything. They they go on this mission to find the guy. They don't even find the right guy. They find somebody else to go on the ship and fail. They fail miserably. And then the only thing that they are able to do and come home and say that they achieved was kill Phasma. That's it. Maybe some other stormtroopers on the way, but that's about it. They made a new enemy with Benicio Del Toro. That That's about it. They did nothing that furthered the plot of the film. Their story is con- it's contained and of their of their own. It's right. meant to be fun. It's meant to be a character-driven piece. And since that's the case, it's also meant to be one other important thing, Chris, and that is explore elements of the universe that we are going to see get broader and ex- more expansive as the sequels come. This is the kind of stuff that's going to fuel the other movies. This is the important stuff that they want. It doesn't need to deal with the story that we're telling because it's going to deal with stories we tell later. Now, I, I have no problem with that. But I have a problem with them putting that story in this film. It's a two-and-a-half-hour-long movie. I think you could have told a two-hour movie you know, didn't have this section in here but still focused on Poe and what was going on with Ray. Sure. And maybe that was their problem. Maybe they're like, we don't know how to put Finn in this. Let's have Finn uh, sort of mature into the space pirate that he may become later. Because that's what I see. I see Finn becoming... I, I see it too. I think that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to put him on those kinds of adventures. 
And I have no problem with that. I have a problem when I compare it to the other stuff. Like, it's the kind of thing, it's the kind of stuff that I don't mind listening to while I cook food. But once Ray or the other stuff shows up, that's the, that's the moment I'm going to, like, sit down on my couch and pay attention. I don't necessarily think they're going to go in the pirate direction. I think they made it pretty clear that he's not interested in the bad guys. Yeah, he's not, I, he's I not mean, overly fond of the good it, guys after that scene, though, on the ship, when he's showing him that he sold weapons to both sides. Well, in a, in a character way, in a, in, on a character level, that entire story leads to one very important line, more than anything. And that's when he looks at Phasma and she says, you're scum, and he goes, rebel scum. He didn't, like, at the beginning of the movie, he's escaping the rebels to go find Ray and protect Ray and not care about the rebels, and he's accused of being a um, defector. Right. So there's this image that he's not a rebel and that he doesn't really live up to the legend that he has, and the adventure that he goes on leads him to make the sacrifice that he needs to make despite the fact that their plan failed miserably. And he looks at her in the face and he says, I'm a rebel. And he makes that decision. I'm a rebel. And it's even more concrete when he's about to fly his plane into that cannon. He's willing to sacrifice his life, not for Ray, not for anything else, but the rebellion because of what Rose has shown him. That out in the world there are people that are suffering in caste systems because this war is still going on and people are benefiting from it. That's important. Finn goes out into the world, sees what the war actually does, and comes back more than ever compelled to fight it, even sacrifice his own life. So to me, that stuff matters. That stuff is important. And it only took me talking about it with you right now for me to get to it. That's how meaty this movie is. Yes. Um, then with that, what did you think when they didn't kill him? Um, I thought it was interesting that Rose stepped in and did it, but then I was like, I bet everyone on that field was like, oh, Rose, God, oh, come on. But then she <laughs> said, then she says a very important line, which, which is we have to save the things we love, not just sacrifice ourselves. And, and that's true. I think that's important considering that several times throughout the movie, people sacrifice themselves for the rebellion. Right. Several times. There's at least three cases of it on off the top of my head. Yep. But she, like, she saves a life. That's how that film ends with Finn. He's about to sacrifice himself for the rebellion, just like all these other people have, and she saves it. That's very important. Because that's really the, that's the thing that they're, they're fighting for. There's fighting, and then there's what you're fighting for. When the fighting's done, what you're fighting for has to be salvageable right um i'm just like i was like oh my gosh they're gonna do it. i was like the way the way the whole the way it all shook i'm just like they're gonna do it like this is happening this is aiden i'm thinking about it, like this is an enormous like this is a really really big risk in a movie that's filled with a lot of big risks and they're I gonna they were gonna do it too like I was 100% so I love moments like that in movies where I'm sold one way and they go the other which will okay, and we're we're getting to it. We're getting to it. Um what do you want to talk about first, Poe or Ray? 
No, not Poe um, or Ray. We I think we I think we've done Poe enough. Um, I mean, Kylo. No, we've not. Because I think we've done what the the root of what he is. But I think the more compelling thing about that is, it, yes, his his arc as a character is to become a leader, an appropriate yes. leader, to, mm-hmm. to mature as a leader. Um, his his story is about the resistance and these people in an extremely stressful situation having to make uh, instinctive decisions and all of them want the right thing and all of them want the different way to do it. And that is, and it's, it's so compelling in that moment. It reminded me of the best episodes of Battlestar Galactica. This movie is drawing a lot With of comparisons to it. Said, oh yeah. Like I would say just that story alone reminds me of the pilot episode of the 2004 series where they are constantly getting attacked by Cylons and they have to, they have to keep jumping every 36 hours, which means they can't sleep because if they don't, then they constantly get attacked by the Cylons. And it raises the tension immediately on the pilot episode of the show. This reminded me of that a lot, but it one-upped it by having a compelling drama happen behind the scenes of all the leaders. None of these leaders are bad. Nobody's a traitor. Nobody's thinking selfishly. They all just want to do the right thing and don't know right. the best way to do it because things are really crazy. But then, then Chris, they get backed in a corner. They get backed in a huge corner. They've lost so many people right. and they've lost hope. They've yep. lost hope, Chris. It's yep. gone. And then Luke Skywalker shows up. So that it's not just what what the character of Poe goes through. It's what he goes through with the resistance and then what the resistance goes through as a whole what they lose and then what they gain in the end. Right. So I think Poe's story is really interesting. Yes. Like, and like, well, I was one, like, and that goes to like subversion of, like the subversion of ideas where it's like, okay, it's leading you down this one way. Like Poe is going to, this is how Poe is going to take over. And like, you know, and the resistance is going to get run by hotheads. And then Leia wakes up from her coma after flying through space. And um, then Leia comes in. It's like, Poe's like, Leia. And he's like, happy to see her for a brief second. Then he stu- Then she stuns him. Great. Yeah, That's that was great. That's awesome. <laughs> no, that, that was perfect. You're exactly right. Absolutely perfect. Um, I was I was shocked. I thought that she was gonna step in and he was gonna have this look on his face of like her rump, and we were gonna be like, oh no, what's gonna go with our hairs? And then she shows up, and I'm like, you, you idiot. <laughs> and then it, then it doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong. Even the leaders know. Even Leia and uh, and Laura Dern know. They're like, we like him. He he has a chance to save us. He's just a hothead. And he wakes up and he's like, oh, I tried my best, and things are. Maybe there's still hope. And I, I I love that that's where it ends up. They're all scattered, and then it gets worse. It gets exponentially worse. Right. They cr- Ryan Johnson crushed good. the resistance almost into oblivion. Like, yes. It was amazing how this, like, how, min- how the numbers dropped. It was, it was like, I was stunned. It was like, they did that. <laughs> like wow! In the first movie, they in the first movie they blew up. Um, what was it? The um Republic. Yeah, they the, the Star Republic Killer. Yeah, Star Killer like, Base nuked. Um, 
blew up the Hosnian system, and in return, the Resistance blew up Starkiller Base. Yeah, in this film, they narrowed the Resistance down. Like, really down. J.J. Like Abrams has a lot to do. There's, there's no night shift. They're all one shift now. Yes. <laughs> Could you imagine that? That'd be bad. No. <laughs> That's, I mean, the world's going to go there one day, so I better be prepared for it, I guess. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, um, let's, okay, real quick, before we get to the real meat of this movie, that moment. So, Holdo. When that, when that, when they go to the beach and that thing has giant boobs and we see where blue milk comes from? There was a moment in this movie where Lord, <laughs> Lord Dern, <laughs> where Lord Dern's character, Aldo. She's watching all these resistance fighters, like all these resistance transports, getting destroyed, absolutely wiped out. Um, and then she takes this lawn dart of a cruiser, points it at Snoke's ship, or at the First Order fleet, specifically Snoke's uh, ship, and she launches into hyperspace directly into the ship, and we got one of the most stunning CGI moments I have ever seen. This was amazing how everything just went silent. You see Star Destroyers being ripped apart. Just the shreds. And yeah, then... Everyone at my theater was like, whoa. I know. I didn't... Like I said, I didn't know a man was capable of doing such a thing. So cinematically when i was watching that um i read i i did read something later that pointed out how moments like that how like in rogue one when the other ship rams into the other one and it blows up and there's pieces flying everywhere and it's a lot of explosions and it's spectacular looking but it's also something we've seen before just in a different scale and in a different light we're very used to destruction being portrayed this way uh, hyper-realistic. But when I was watching it, the first thought of my mind is, this looks like when someone gets a, a death strike or a death blow by a sword in an anime. This this looks like an anime blow. Yes. Where That's why I love it so much. And everything goes slow, and you don't see the actual thing happen. You just see flashes and the destruction, and it's slow, and it's piercing. And it, that's what it reminded me of. I was like, that's the that's the anime lover Ryan Johnson that I love. Yes. This was just that's the guy stunning. That understands anime very well. Yeah. Absolutely stunning. This this moment will be gushed about for years to come by digital artists and whatnot. Just absolutely gushed about. It was great. It was absolutely fantastic. It was, it was great. Now... Let's talk about the meat. The real reason this movie exists. And why it's so great. Like, Poe is awesome. Finn and Rose, they're alright. But this... Blue milk. Super gross. Green milk. That was... That looked blue to me, dude. It was green. Um... You've seen it twice, so I guess you know what you I were I was about to say at. that, yeah. 
Um, so, we leave off right where The Force Awakens ended. Um, how long Ray held out the lightsaber for? Probably five minutes straight in an awkward silence. I don't know. Um, Engine in this one. Yeah, they did. They so she on that real quick. Yes. She walks up to Luke Skywalker, gives him the lights, gives him the old Skywalker family lightsaber. Steps back. Let's Luke observe it. Luke then looks back at her lightsaber in hand, then tosses it over her shoulder. Wow! <laughs> I was that was shocked. Great. Like people, people don't like it because they thought it was too much. I'm just like. How, again, how else would you have remembered that? If he actually just dropped it on the ground and just left it, that's just like... But he tossed it over his shoulder. Yeah, how I mean, else would you have remembered that? You you could have had it in a way where she hands it to him and then he looks at it and you have a close-up on his face and you have a close-up on it in his hand and maybe he raises it in a way that you think he's going to turn it on and then the music swells in the Star Wars theme and instead... His hand draws down closer to his side, and then you see it drop onto the floor. You could do all of that in close-ups, and you could absolutely make it poetic and simple. But it, that's not what these films are. These films are space adventures. They're about, you know, making you gasp and eat your popcorn and, and have fun. Like, they're compelling and serious, sure, but, like, they're there to entertain you. Him throwing it like that is great because you later learn she picks it up anyway. Right. It's not. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't get rid of it altogether. It's not entirely gone. No. It's the fact that it could have been. Right. That's really funny, and you're like, oh, he doesn't care, man. Oh, but then it comes back, and you're like, oh, okay, it's safe. Like Luke, come on, Luke. Jeez, Luke. Let's see here. Um, I I like that moment. I don't see how that's too much. To me, that's the kind of appropriate that people don't understand films can do well anymore. So, Luke Skywalker's whole arc in this movie, I feel like, we were, we were almost, I was almost onto something. When, I was, I was too, I was way too much, but I feel like I was onto something when I said maybe Rey is a Skywalker, and maybe Luke dumped her on Jakku because she was getting in his way of, in the way of his studies. I was onto something there. I feel like I was onto something there. Because when they revealed that Luke briefly thought about killing his sister's son because he was too far gone, I'm just like, whoa, I almost got it right. <laughs> I was on to something. I would say, I don't know if you almost got it right, but you did read the fact that Luke has darkness in him and that there is something that could drive him to make a decision that is... Not necessarily selfish, but in a way he thinks is correct. Uh, what I like about that moment is that's that's a rhyme to me in the Star Wars fashion. His father came across this moment twice. A moment to decide whether to do the right thing or not when he is forced with um, the, the power of the Force uh, giving him a glimpse of the future. And once he saw the glimpse of the future of his mother and he was getting all these dreams and everything of what was happening to her through the Force, he went to find her, found out she was dying, died in his arms, and then murdered a bunch of people. He immediately murders a bunch of people. 
And then the second time that happens to Anakin, he believes his wife is going to die based on visions he gets from the Force. And then he goes way over on the dark side, and he ends up killing her anyway. And that is extremely important because Luke had the same thing happen. He saw his son, and he used his Force to see the future and see what kind of person he was going to become. And he, it, for a brief moment, almost made the same decision his father did. And then he didn't. And then something different happened. Something that you don't see in movies happen. He dove into his humanity. He dove into his shame. He cut himself off for the Force because of how much more human he is than his father. To a fault. To the point where he is so ashamed of himself and his abilities and his hubris that he cut himself off from the force and never wanted to surround himself with anybody he cared about again because of what he did. That is such a human decision that it causes even worse problems down the line. All because he did the exact opposite of what his father did in that moment. Um, This whole, like, Mark Hamill just, like, I feel like he just stole the show. Like, he hasn't acted in a movie this big in years sure not he did true. He's, in, he's in kingsman true but not as big of a role not as big of a role but he's in there he's in there enough and he's acting pretty good he's not like he's not like you're phoning it in in that movie an argument can be made um <laughs> but he and he also did some stuff for the flash but i don't know how much that is i cannot i cannot confirm or deny um having fun at it i'll tell you that much as the trickster, he's having a ball. Okay, cool. Um, but he really played distraught Luke like fantastically. I love what they did with Luke here. I love what they did with Luke Skywalker. Like it's a complete. I read the old canon because the old canon actually went in the opposite direction, where he successfully actually did. Um, start the new era of Jedi. Um, but then I like how they went the opposite direction here where he failed. And I feel like that's more compelling than if he succeeded. So I'm actually kind of glad they wiped out old canon. Yes, I think it's more reflective of the real world, but also just as ripe to fix in a fictional way to produce a happy ending right um that was another thing that i thought rhymed very well in the last movie luke is the last movie is about the son of a famous knight becoming a jedi of his own after he realized his father <clears throat> fell to uh the evil side and in this movie it's you think you'd follow the son of the famous Skywalker. No, that's the villain. In all the other movies, you don't really know who the villains are, really. Darth Maul, we don't know anything about Darth Maul. He's a, he's a mystery in the films, basically. Right. So it's interesting that Rey comes from nowhere and has a backstory that would basically fit with any ah! villain in any movie. What? Hold on. I'm still, I'm still guessing about Luke for a second. Hold on. We'll get to... I, we'll get to that. Um... So Wait, what happened? I wanted to get, I wanted to get I wanted to I did like I told you um I have interview I have, I have pulled up interviews 
to get more context as to what was going on behind the scenes. Um, so Mark Hamill and Ryan Johnson did an interview about it. Uh, Mark Hamill actually got candid, but I'm going to go into Ryan Johnson's um, quote here. So his quote on Luke's whole and Luke's whole arc, and then Luke projecting himself, like doing a force projection. Luke doing a I'm force sorry. projection. I'm sorry, I'm confused for a second. Did you make a noise because I was starting to talk about Ray's parentage? Yes, I was. <laughs> well, just say that, man, because I was confused. <laughs> sorry. Like what? Like, I am so sorry. Yeah, like you've been stabbed in the back in the middle of this recording, and I'm wondering, like, are you alive? <laughs> like say we're not going to talk about that yet we're not going to talk don't about just, that like, yet move along like you're being held hostage <laughs> we're not going to talk about that yet <laughs> i really like this star wars movie it made me call for help call for help i was like what are you doing <laughs> i have no problem with that but that's what you're doing i'm sorry i'm so sorry <laughs> So, back on to Luke. I listen. I want to talk about Ray's parents too, but we will get to that. Okay, I, I don't want to talk about that yet. I want to stay on Luke. Let's. I want to put on some context about what Ryan Johnson was thinking. Um, what was going through his head. Um, so this is what Ryan Johnson said about the like his arc, and then him him like doing a force projection and then him passing on like just disappearing because the effort of doing a force projection light years away just drained him that's and it's like i love circle of life sunrise sunset plots i just do like what goes around comes around and or something like that i don't know what i'm talking about and like, I always felt like, I'm sorry, I, I always felt like when I when they called Star Wars a new hope, and that's what they meant with Luke, mm-hmm. that it never felt that way because in Empire, things don't feel hopeful nope. at all, really. And in, the, and in the third film, I don't really feel the celebration of the downfall of the Empire, really. So I never really felt the hope that they were implying. I, I thought they were great movies, but the word hope just seemed wrong. Right. And at the end of this movie, he produces hope. He is hope. He's right. the embodiment of hope. And he lives up to that word right. in the title of his very first movie. And I really love that. So Luke Skywalker, he went out the way he went out the way he went in. He, he, he just st- he, he sat there and he watched the twin set. And then he watched the twin sons set. And from a new different because okay, we're jumping around. Um, I do think that's cool though that in in the past podcast I mentioned how he likes to stare at horizons, and they even say that in the film. They mention the imagery of past films, and they're like, ah, Luke always staring out at horizons. Like, dude, that was great. I felt so vindicated. I was like, oh, that's great. But at that moment, I was also like. A movie is t- using its own imagery to fuel the development of its own characters. Perfect. Great. Love it. Okay. Everything that happened on the island, 
Ray and Kylo Ren, they have a force Skype call connection out of nowhere. And it was just like I love what I love what Ryan Johnson did with the force. I love what I love what he did with it. Like it subverts like it's not the force you're familiar with. And I like that. It just could literally do anything. And we have only seen an like the quote Orson Krennic from Rogue One. It's only an inkling of its capability. Hey, Chris, that's not how the force works to quote the force awakens. <laughs> I have to argue with hardcore about that too. So right okay, so everything that happened on the island, let's just talk about it. Um Luke said Luke meets with R2 on the Falcon after Chewie guilt eats porgs. That was a great comedic moment. Just him guilt eating <laughs> dead porgs. That was crazy. That was great. That was. That was. You know, what I, you know what I really loved? What? I loved when he was knocking on his door and he's like, "Go away!" And all of a sudden, just Chewie breaks in. Just goes on a just goes off on a tirade. He's like, "You're gonna come with he's us. Like, You're gonna help us." Just cuts a Hulk Hogan promo on him. Uh, you're gonna snap into the Slim Jim, and then we're gonna go save the rebellion. <laughs> uh, um. So yeah. Um, so yeah, Luke meets with R2, he, he, and R2, this was like old Luke Skywalker meeting his old friend again, that was great, um, then he shows, then he shows Luke the old recording of, uh, Leia from episode four, giving the message to, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, that was great, that was great, and then Luke saying, that was a cheap move, <laughs> So he just, it was a cheap move. So yeah. So this whole time, so Ray admitted to Luke that, um, like she she was immediately she was she was like the resistance like I'm the resistance sent me the resistance sent sent me. Um, then she finally admits there's been like something inside me has always been there, but now it's awake and I don't know what to do. And then Luke refuses the teacher teacher. Then he sees the message that R two cheaply pulls out. And then Luke says, okay, I'm going to give you three lessons. These lessons are going to teach you the ways of the Force and why the Jedi have to end. Um, so, first lesson was what the Force was. Um, so then, <laughs> in a great comedic moment, Luke tells her to close her eyes, breathe, and reach out. She sticks out her right hand. <laughs> That that was that was probably my favorite funny moment of the entire movie. <laughs> and then Luke, and then Luke, it goes along with it. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> he brushes uh, her hand with like a I'll large flake of glass. I'll feel something. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it in my fingers. <sighs> so, like, sure, you idiot. So. So then she actually tries. So Ray actually then tries. And so like she see she's like she actually like feels everything around her. She feels the island. She feels like both sides of the she feels both sides of the forest, light and the dark. Um life, death and decay, and then that breathes new life. Um 
to then like excuse me mm. so then she starts like feeling this dark place on the island and then Luke's telling her okay you gotta resist it like get out get you resist it and then she's she just keeps going towards it and get this out, you're gonna get a virus Ray get out you're gonna get a virus <laughs> so she just snaps out of it and Luke's like you didn't even try to resist the dark and I'm just like whoa and I feel like we're gonna have this is this is the question that I'm wrestling with is she still a Mary Sue I don't think she is did you ever think she was I was te- I was I was on the fence about it I could see the argument either way, but I don't think she's a Mary Sue now because my argument is we don't see Kylo Ren trained either. It's implied that he's trained. We know he is. We know he's trained by two masters of different sides of the force. But then my argument is, okay, I guess, I guess it's more on like why she's so powerful. And I feel like, and that goes into her lineage like, they don't really have to, like, people are like, I want an explanation as to why she's so powerful. I'm like, do we really need an explanation? She's just powerful in the Force. Why can't that just be a normal thing in Star Wars? Yeah, Anakin was just, just pooped out by the Force. Force just pooped Nobody, that kid out. Of course, people no had a problem with that. that. Yeah, no one thought that was crazy. Because he's a dude. No, they did think it was crazy. They actually did yeah, think it was crazy. They don't question it as much as they question it with her. Right. If they question his and, with her, wouldn't even watch those movies at all. Period. The main character can do anything. Why would that be compelling? They established that her and Kylo Ren are on even par with each other in terms of power. So to say that she's a Mary Sue is to call Kylo Ren a Mary Sue, because she's because he is just as because she is just as vulnerable and probably emotional, probably emotionally unstable as he is. Disagree. Really? Okay, go ahead. I think because I think they make it very clear that's the difference. Like Kylo Ren has been trained by two specific people who know the arts very well. He's been trained in fighting. He's been trained in defense. He's been trained in evil ways. He's been trained in good ways. But that doesn't. All of that training is for naught because he's an emotional wreck, highlighted by the fact that his sword is a crazy, fiery blade. It's always sparking. It's always raging. She, on the other hand, is always calm, always specific, always gets through every instant with a calm look on her face. Her lightsaber is calm and blue. She has every reason in the world to be angry, but she is not. She had every reason in the world to leave that planet, but she didn't. She was patient and she waited. She is calm and the difference between Kylo in every way. So yes, she may not be trained, but she's far more powerful for the fact that she is far more in tune with the Force naturally than he is. She can control it on an emotional level, and he can't. He may be able to dance around her with a sword and actually put up an interesting fight with skill and like, uh, maybe a little bit of war knowledge, but she will always 110% overcome him with emotion and heart. She's the Rocky of the situation. He, he, you could, he's the... He's the Russian-skilled, chemically-fueled uh, fighter in Rocky Four. 
He's Carl. He's Drogo, and she is Rocky. She's she's nothing but heart, man. Okay, true. Do you think she's a Mary Sue? To say she's a Mary Sue is to say any guy who's ever done the same thing she does in a movie uh, is the same thing. I mean, just because you put a female name to it, it's the same thing. Does your lead character is your lead character um, not flawed enough or too capable enough to be a compelling um, uh, person to follow in your action or adventure? Is Luke Skywalker a, a dumb farm boy kid who's like just been sitting in a desert planet forever, can shoot uh, giant cannons and aim perfectly out of a gun to sh- get in the Death Star, grab a princess and get her out, to fly a plane, to basically destroy the Death Star? I mean, he does amazing to be in tuned with the Force. All of these things. Those are basically the same concept, just he's a dude. Right. I don't think those things make that story less less compelling. Right. And they don't make her story less compelling when I watch it. They just make me far more interested in her. Like she, she is the kind of person who should have left that planet a long time ago. And it seems like the force in the universe yanked her arm and was like, "You need to get out here and have some fun." <laughs> and I want I want to join her. <laughs> um. So yeah, Ray and Kylo Ren. They have a. Uh... They have four Skype. I should start using that. Wonder where I can probably purchase such a product. Hmm. So apparently they can uh they can communicate with each other in the forest, but then that was later turned on its head. So well, I mean, can I ask you something? Okay, go ahead. When they when it happens the first time and both of them look at each other and say we're not doing this, who did you think did it? I guess I wasn't thinking about that honestly when I first saw it. I'm just like, this is happening for a reason, and I don't know what was happening. I thought it was because that's good filmmaking and good storytelling because I felt that and went with it. But I also right. had a pretty good idea about who it was. I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't suspect that it probably could have been Smoke. Which it was, it was Snoke apparently, but I thought it was because they entered each other's minds and something clicked in there. So I thought they were both in each other's minds, which they ultimately were. So I thought it was that from the last movie. I thought that was kind of cool. Interesting, but that was not true. So, um, so Kylo Ren, I like how Luke tells the story of the downfall of the temple one way, and then. Kylo Ren tells it a different way, and then Luke is forced to give the tr- give the give the truth, but not before Ray goes into that dark hole and does that whole mind trip, where she sees multiple versions of herself. I immediately thought she was the Doctor. Um, uh, well, I I actually was thinking how that reflected Luke in Empire going into that tree and seeing his own reflection in Vader. Right. She except she doesn't see herself in a dark light. Now that I'm thinking about it. This is an interesting this is a movie that's gonna be on my mind for a while. Just the things to think it's about. Got me. It's a meaty movie. It's a meaty movie. It's like the um, multiple I, I, more versions. The, that first it intrigues me because she never goes back to that moment 
uh, again and sees it in a positive light. Like she never thinks back and goes, now I see what that truly meant. Really, it's more so in that moment she says the line, I've never felt more alone in my life. So when I see it again, I, and, and when I think about it now, I try to think of the imagery of that scene and what made her feel lonely in that moment. It was was all... it before she asked the question? Was it after she asked the question? I think it what was... What does seeing her reflection to the question of who are my parents mean? What does that mean? I was like, in the theater, when she asks, tell me who my parents are, please. I'm just like... Oh no, this is it. This is the moment. This is the moment. Oh, and I'm just like, my heart was racing. Literally, my heart was racing when this was when this scene was happening. It's like, this is happening. This is happening. But then, like, um, but then it's, it turns out it was just a reflection of herself. I'm just like, well, now that I, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, now that I think about it, now that I hear you talking about it, maybe the whole point of her seeing herself is the fact that she'll never find out who her parents are. Maybe that's the answer she took. She's like, if I only see me, that's the only thing I'll ever know about my parents is me. That's something to think about. <laughs> that's really philosophical. That's right probably there. why she felt really super lonely. Yeah. Um. So then... Luke finds out about the Skype call thing, and then, so, like, I honestly thought they were going to do the Ray Kylo Ren, like, romance theory. I'm just like, there's no way. They're not going to do this. They're not, this is, this is not happening. And then Luke comes in and breaks it up by blowing up the, by blowing up the hut, which was apparently a practical effect of uh, him walking into the hut and saying, stop as they're touching hands and then the walls blow out. Apparently that was a practical effect. It looked like one. It didn't look, it didn't look like CGI to me. Mm. So then Luke and Ray, they have an argument basically like, she's like, tell me what really happened. So they get into a fight. Um, <clears throat> so they, yeah, they get into a fight. And then Ray, so they're Luke overmatches her, and then she pulls out the light. She pulls the lightsaber, and then Luke catches himself with the Force before he hits the ground, which was which is super, which is super important. That was an important thing to notice, right? Because before he, when he says he had shut himself off with the Force, he goes yep. back to that rock that she's at later, and he tries to get in tune. We don't see whether he got in tune yet. And we find out when he catches himself. Right. So, Luke tells the truth. He felt that moment of hubris. Before we before we go too far off, he like he talked about how the prequels and just and just like he just he talked about all the Jedi how in their hubris let Darth Sidious rise and wipe them all out. I love how they portrayed everybody in the prequels as an idiot. <laughs> I don't know exactly how what they were going for, but that's how I felt. <laughs> I think I think Lucas was always trying to paint the picture that the Republic had become a victim of its own hubris and that this was happening because they were easily manipulated, that their idea of peace was easily corruptible, and that I think he 
accidentally made them all look like idiots in the process. Yes. So I liked the, I liked that moment. Um. So then, so then Ray says, "I think I can turn him," and then Luke's like, "No, it's not going to go the way you think." He's like, "Don't do this." He's like, "Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this." And then she stands up, holds out the lightsaber again. He says, "It's basically saying, if you like, then come back. If you don't want me to do it, come back." Then Luke turns his head away. Then Ray says, "He's our only hope." Then. Walks away, takes the Falcon, goes to meet Kylo Ren in the throne room. Then we got another epic moment where Luke goes to burn the Jedi tree where we saw the uh, the, the ancient Jedi texts. And then we got a surprise that I honestly saw coming. Yoda. You saw the- I saw this coming, and here's why. Frank Oz was dodging questions about episode eight. Like, 100% dodging him. He wouldn't answer questions about 8 at all, apparently. He should have just, just straight up lied. Right. So, I kind of felt this was coming. So then, I was freaking out in my seat when I first saw it. I'm like, Yoda! And I'm glad they went with the puppet. If they went, if they went with CGI Yoda, I would have been fine with it. Though I like the subversion of expectations. Like, oh, it's going to be CGI Yoda. Nope. They went with the puppet. These meta, these meta ideas that I, 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 I like. He's like, oh, you think it's gonna be CGI Yoda? Boom, puppet. Love it. I don't even know if that. I don't even know if that's meta so much as it's just saying, hey, we, I'm the filmmaker and I appreciate the originals more than the prequels. So, um, here you go, guys. This is this is for the fans that I am fans with as well. So Luke goes to takes a torch. He's about to blow. He's about to blow up the. Uh, He's about to burn the the, the tree down, and then he then he stops and he just he just he can't. So then Yoda, in an ultimate in like, in a just an, an epic moment, like summons lightning and strikes the tree with lightning. Awesome, that is awesome. And light and the tree's burning. Is like which proves that which proves the saying: if you strike me down. I shall become more powerful than you could possibly imagine, even though Yoda was not struck down, though Yoda is more powerful than we can po- possibly imagine. Um, he's pretty strong. He's pretty strong. So Yoda basically is like, you're still, you're still, you haven't changed one bit, essentially. You're still that, you're still that kid. And then it's like, did you, and then Yoda's like, did you actually read those books? And then Luke's like, well, I, uh, and then Yoda's like, page turners they are not. <laughs> hmm. Very true. So then Yoda says... I was, like, I was thinking, like, those are probably... I mean, he was there a long time, and there weren't a lot of them. But I could see myself, like, being like, oh, I've looked everywhere for these. These are the books. And then, like, getting a couple pages in and being like, ah, oh, this is homework. <laughs> so... Luke... So Luke teaches Ray... Uh, two of the lessons of that he said he left out the last one. He taught her the Force One Hundred One. Um, taught her about and and taught her about basically hubris. Um, 
a Jedi hubris. Like, he was trying to convince Rey that the Jedi had to die. So... Mm -hmm. So, Luke finally admits to Yoda, I failed. I was weak. I let Ben Solo go. I... I didn't do it. Then Yoda's just like, did you not hear a word I said on Dagobah? (laughs) Is that pass on what you have learned. Your strength. Your... The, the the power of the force and yes failure failure is the biggest teacher of all and that's yeah and so there you go so then we finally we're finally off the island uh Ray, so now all the paths are converging together again uh Finn and Rose are coming back with Benicia del Toro's character after Canto Bite Ray's coming in to confront Kylo Ren then Kylo Ren comes in and takes and uh, immediately takes her to Snoke. They have this exchange in the elevator where they both see each other, like turning the other way. And Ben says, "I know where your parents are." Then we get then we get Snoke. So Snoke's crazy powerful. He's basically like a, as far as we know, in the Force a. Like an exorcist, like an like an exorcist or something like that. That's Im- image wise. That's what it looked like. I know that's not actually what he was doing, but it just looked like he was just like. <laughs> it was. It was. I'm sorry. It was. I like what's. I like. I like what Snoke was doing. Like just manipulating the force with zero effort. It was great. Yeah, he seemed. Yeah, he just. By the way, we're in the throne room. One of the most interesting moments uh, early on in the film is when Hux totally screws up and loses his ship to the bomber. And he is like, I'm going to go take this message from Snoke in my chambers. Then Snoke shows up and then he uses the force on him in a giant hologram. I was like, oh, that's great. So, um, yeah, so now we're in the so, yeah, we're in the throne room now. This is this is probably the most compelling sequence of this movie. You could, you'll probably disagree with me, but I, that's what I thought it was. I mean, I the just the be, the beginning all the way up to the end. No, from the throne room to like from in the throne room throughout the like this was like the most compelling scene to me in the entire movie. I, I well, when he's basically talking to Ray, yes, all the way up to the point, all, all the way, way up, up to the, the all the way up to the end of that, where Luke and Ray are at odds. The whole thing. So the, uh, yeah, I think that's not only the most compelling moment of the of the movie, the most dramatic, it's and the most interesting. I think it actually makes point to slow itself down and tell the audience this is the most important moment of the trilogy. Right. So, while this is happening, Finn, Rose, and the Codebreaker, known as DJ, never never explicitly said his name, they're, they're sneaking onto Snoke's ship. The Resistance is escaping in transports and trying to get into Crate. That's when the whole coup with uh, Poe happens and he fails. Um, so, they're in the throne room. Snoke is like, you are going to give me everything. Wait, 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 wait. I okay, also, okay, okay. I, 
I also want to make a very funny point. Okay. When she takes her ship and then flies into their ship and then immediately opens up her doors and there's Kylo waiting for her. <laughs> that was great. That was pretty cool. Yep. Um. So, yeah. So, basically, Snoke dissects her and continues to birate or do belittle Kylo Ren, apparently in an effort to make him stronger, like he did in the beginning of the film. Um, Bad move on his part. Absolute worst move on his part. Yep. So... Kylo doesn't like it when you lose faith in him. <laughs> Kylo gets mad and throws buildings on you and then burns down your entire temple and kills your other students. So, basically, what happens here is that Snoke is like sees two like is trying like is trying to manipulate her but then he shows then he like he he puts her through absolute hell essentially and just tries to manipulate Ray into giving him everything about Skywalker so he shows her the resistance. The resistance. They so DJ betrays Finn and Rose, and so they find out that the the escape pod that the um, the transports are taking off from the main cruiser for the resistance, and so they start shooting down resistance troops. All it's like it's a whole thing. So this is all happening. So Snoke shows Ray this. This is not enough. Like, that was not enough. To see her friends dying was not enough. Was not not enough to provoke her to the, to do what he was asking her to do. So then she finally... So then he finally just says, you know what, screw it. You're, you're, you're no good to me. So he wants her dead. I'm just like... I felt relieved at that point. I was like, There's, she, there, there, she's not going to turn to the dark side. I was... Relieved at that point. There was a whole range of emotions during this whole sequence. So, brings her to her knees in front of Kylo Ren. Tells Kylo Ren to kill, to kill her. So then Snoke's like reading out the entire scene from his from his point of view, by the way. And he says, now he turns the blade and he's turning the Skywalker blade that's right next to Snoke towards Snoke. But Snoke doesn't see it because he only sees it from his point of view. He only sees what he wants to see. And I like that. And then he says, now he turned... Through his hubris, using the power of the Force to make a decision that would be bad for him. Yes. And then Snoke says, now he ignites the blade to strike down his true enemy. And then he ignites the Skywalker lightsaber we're having Snoke. Just cut Snoke in half. Thank God that dismemberment's back. I missed it. I've missed oh, dismemberment. Wow. That that's that is interesting. I honestly didn't think I'd hear that ever from you. I'm being but sarcastic, okay. but you know. Oh sure, no, yeah. I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm less scared now. <laughs> so I'm so glad dismemberment is back in my Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Kylo Ren doll, kids. I mean, they were cutting off heads. It was then. So then first twist. So then like the first twist, Kylo Ren kills Snoke. 
people have a problem with this. And I say, what were your expectations for Snoke? Like, seriously, what were your expectations? Like, you said so. You made it very clear. Like, I want it to be Plagueis. Heart of Heart says Plagueis. But I didn't know what to, ex- like, I, like, hey, I didn't know what to expect. And then that moment, like, shocked me. It's like, he killed Snoke. Well, of course, he can't be dead. And then they showed him that he was dead. I'm like, oh. But then Kylo Ren became Supreme Leader. So it was immediately, so I'm just immediately like, okay, I can go with this. Um, so I'm He's like, the bad guy. that I realized, simple, yeah. I realized they made Kylo, in the first movie, they did this. They made Kylo Ren the bad guy more than they did Snoke. And my yep. argument towards main, towards the people who have seen the movie and they didn't like how Snoke went out. I'm like, you have to understand what this movie was doing. And that is tearing, in my in my opinion, from my point of view, I see this movie as a tearing, as a tearing down of the establishment of Star Wars tropes. But in a way, I haven't fully fleshed out the idea. But like, and then I realized when I, in the movie, I'm just like that when Snoke was belittling. Kylo Ren we were meant to feel for Kylo Ren that was not to put over Snoke that was to put over Kylo Ren as a struggling as a, as, as a human as a conflicted person um and then this moment happens and I'm like this makes perfect sense they're putting over Kylo Ren as the main bad because that was what it was from the start so in the movie theater, I think, when I was watching this for the first time, I'm like, this makes complete and utter sense that they would do this. I'm an idiot <laughs> for thinking they, they – they, that – and then I think about it now. I'm like, what else could they have done, honestly? What else could you have done? That's a stereotype that you don't need with Snoke. So you, you get rid of it. Yeah. I think the interesting thing is uh... – knowing that this is a trilogy and knowing that the trilogy will have a lot of different answered questions that work for some characters and don't with others that can only be benefited benefited from 20 years down the line you just picking up the trilogy and watching it in your home straight three movies in a row as opposed to waiting the time that we have and watching them develop seeing the history of the actors go through interviews and all that stuff going to the theater and seeing them happen and watching the questions that we asked not get answered correctly because we realized we weren't answering the right questions. I would say it, it's, it makes a lot more sense, and you're correct, that when you pair these two movies together, Snoke is barely in the first movie and barely explained outside of he's Kylo Ren's mentor. And then you start to realize how much attention is paid on Kylo Ren and what he does, the decisions he makes. He's a bad guy. And then you get to the second movie and you just see him kill his mentor and you're like, oh my God, every bad guy in every old samurai movie totally killed his master. That's the whole point. And I was like, da, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So, I want, I meant to get this on with, with, uh, with Luke, but I want to get to this here. So, Ryan Johnson, like I said, did an interview and he was talking about his, his thing with Snoke. And this is what he had to say. Quote, 
the whole dynamic with uh, with Kylo Ren and, and Snoke. So for this movie, so here's what he said: "Quote." When I was working on the character of Kylo, I came to a place where I thought the most interesting thing would be to knock the shady foundation, the shaky foundation, out from under him at the beginning of this movie. By the end of this film, he's gone from a he's gone from being a wannabe Vader to someone who is standing on his own feet as a complex villain taking the reins. But then the question is, what place would Snoke have at the end of that? That made me realize the most interesting thing would be to eliminate that dynamic between the Emperor and pupil. So that all bets are off going into the next one. That also led to the possibility of this dramatic turn in the middle, which could also be a really powerful moment, really powerful connection point between Kylo and Rey. Close quote. Now, when he was talking about who not answering who Snoke really is, um, he this is what he said about that. If he was if he was like somebody, if he was somebody like this big reveal that he was like somebody, this is what his answer to that was. Quote. And Alex, you're going to like this. It would have stopped any of these scenes dead cold if he had stopped and given a 30-second speech about how he's Darth Plagueis. It doesn't matter to, it doesn't matter to Rey. If he had, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter to Rey. If he had done that, Rey would have blinked and said, Who? And the scene would have gone on. And I'm not saying he's Darth Plagueis. Close quote. Okay, so there, you got your open-ended Dark Plagueis. He could totally be him if you wanted to. But at the same time, that is exactly what I'm talking about. I love the rhythm of boobies, and I love the fact that he understands that too. Like, that stuff slows things. It stops things. It, it doesn't make sense for anyone but the audience to, for that information to happen. Obi-Wan's uh, having a granddaughter means you have to explain all the pieces in between Obi-Wan and the granddaughter, and that is only for the audience and not for any of the characters. Even if it's for Ray, it would visually be for us. We would be reacting to seeing Obi-Wan. We would be all warm and fuzzy. She would just be like, that's my grandpa? Wow, he's British? He's kind of attractive. He looks like that guy from Train Spotting. Like <laughs> that, that that stuff is not for the story or the characters and how to move them properly. It's for the audience. So yeah, absolutely. He's right. Like, to just answer who he was would just nobody would care. Nobody would care. Unless he had a revenge point, it would only be for the people who were there for the old movies, and the people who were there for the old movies are not making it through these movies. So then so Kylo kills Snoke, and then Ray and Kylo in a moment of oh crap, he's gonna he's gonna it's Ben Solo. He's turning he's turning back to the light side. They fight the Praetorian guards. This which is amazing. Awesome. Ah, God, just awesome. Oh, when they slow down that shot and they go back to back and start fighting it, it's it that is what I'm talking about. That is the moment where he, where even Ryan Johnson is like I'm going to slow this down for everyone just so you understand how amazing this is. All right, go on. I was like, "Cool." But not so, only that, but in hindsight we realize later that you're like that moment was so cool, but for Ray, it was defending uh, Kylo, but for Kylo, it was killing all the witnesses that saw him murder Snow. So in this brief moment, we see maybe they tease maybe Ben Solo is back. So they wipe out the Praetorian guards in glorious fashion. This was an awesome scene. Um. So also not my favorite scene in the movie, but still one of the best scenes in the movie. So. Then that's all over. 
And so then Kylo and Rey are at odds again because Kylo Ren says, we need to burn this all down. We, you and I, we have the power to start again. All of this has to die. That's Kylo Ren's motivation now. All of this has to die. Like the Jedi, the Sith, the Luke Skywalker, the Resistance, the, everything's, everything's got to burn. Everything has to, like, it all has to go. And, like, so he says, so he then manipulates Rey into answering the biggest question out of Force Awakens, who are Rey's parents? Answer being, nobody. They are nobody. Ah! And... Oh, we're, oh, we're talking about it. Okay, cool. We are now talking about it. So they're nobody. They were, she, they, they sold her for booze money. And now they are in a pauper's grave in uh, Jakku, according to Kylo Ren. People are still saying, oh, she's got to belong to somebody. Kylo Ren was just manipulating her in the moment. An argument can be made. I don't want it to. I don't want that to be the case. Yeah, I'm, I find it incredibly satisfying that the the villain is the son of an important, famous character and an interesting person who just doesn't appreciate where he came from, but also has some merit to feeling the way he does. And the hero just being anywhere from a universe that they plan on expanding immensely. Yes. And here's the thing. People don't like that she doesn't belong to anybody. And it's like, again, you don't know what this movie is doing. It's destroying every single, almost every single trope in Star Wars and building it anew. In my eyes, that's what I saw this movie do. So her, no, yeah, I... so her belonging to nobody means... No, she doesn't have any business being in the story. That means she could carve her own path and make her own mark in this movie, which is so much more compelling. That's so much better than if she was handed her way into this movie, into this, into this story. That's so much better. Yep. So, in that same interview, Ryan Johnson had some words about Ray, Ray's lineage, saying, "Quote." I can't speak to what they're going to do, meaning episode nine. And there's always in these movies a question of a certain point of view. But for me, in that moment, Kylo Ren believes it. Kylo believes it's the truth. I don't think he's purely playing chess. I think that's what he saw when they touched fingers. And that's what he believes. And when he tells her in that moment, she believes it. Um... Let's see. What else did he say? The director almost also spoke about how. This is how he came to the decision. So he said, again, quote, I was thinking, what's the most powerful answer to that question? Powerful meaning, what's the hardest thing that Ray could hear? That's what you're after with challenging your characters. The easiest thing for Ray and the audiences to hear is, oh, yeah, you're so and so, you're so and so's daughter. That would be wish fulfillment and instantly hand her a place in this story on a silver platter. The hardest thing for her to hear, she the hardest thing for her is to hear she's not going to get that easy answer. Not only that, but Kylo is going to use the fact that you don't get that answer to try and weaken you so you have to lean on him. He is the best director. He is awesome. He Ryan Johnson is amazing. <laughs> I, I was a fan of his, and I gotta be honest, I'm still a fan. Oh my gosh. He's great. I am so looking forward to this new trilogy he's doing. 
I cannot wait. Me too, man. I'm kind of interested in what he wants to do with him. Some say he's going to do something with a little boy. I don't believe it. Why not? He could do anything. Anything. I'd be fine with it. Even a Boba Fett movie. Even that. And you know how much I don't want that. I think he... I like a trilogy where that little kid go, comes into play. Like, But I think that little kid represents something bigger. Something far more important. So then we got a moment. Um, But yeah. Hold on a second. Again. I was a fool. To think. That her belonging to anybody... Kenobi, Skywalker, Solo, even Palpatine. I felt like I was I felt like I was an idiot. I was like, why would she belong to anybody? That's just handing her 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 that's just handing her It's like the like Brian Johnson said, that's just handing her a place in the story on a silver platter. Why can't she make her own mark? I felt like an idiot that would, watching that. Would make her, that would make her Mary Sue. That would make her a Mary Sue, yeah. And it would go against everything this movie was doing at this point. Yeah. So. So then we got a moment. Um. She. So Kylo Ren's like, join me. We could start again. And so and then Kylo Ren's like, let go. You're still. You're still holding on. It's burning. The the resistance is being destroyed. The Supreme Leader is dead. It's all burning. It's all dying. You and me, we can start anew. And then he holds out his hand. And Kylo Ren is like, please, please, please. And I'm freaking out in the theater. I'm like, they're they're going to do this. They're, they're going to turn her bad. I was li- I, That's how sold I was in the movie. I'm an idiot for thinking they were going to do it. But she is reaching out for his, she's reaching out for his hand. Then she tries to pull for the lightsaber with the force. And then, but it doesn't come to her because they're both pulling for it. And I thought this was this was an this was like this was a character moment. This was a character moment where they're just both having a tug of war with the lightsaber. It was just oh my gosh. This was bliss. This was this was really like just bliss. It was straight bliss. I I I felt I fell in love with this movie at this point. I was just like, "Take me away!" <laughs> I've seen them all now. Oh I, man, I was I was really enjoying it, and in that moment, I was like, "You have to be an idiot if you're a fan of Star Wars and not be satisfied by this moment." Yes, I was immensely satisfied. I was like, "You got to be crazy! This stuff is great." So like, so the so like, people were speculating. Oh, maybe they can start like the gray Jedi. I'm just like, why? Again, if they're gray Jedi, they serve no, they serve neither the light nor the dark. That's not that's like that's like compelling for five minutes. And that's well, it. I think they're I think they're yes, I think a a gray Jedi wouldn't necessarily work. It just wouldn't necessarily work. There is something interesting about picking a side which is i think what they're trying to do i think i think they'll blend it in some way but they won't be like gray jedi this right a gray jedi you either do one or the other you you steal from a store but you put money in the tip jar you know like that's not i don't, I don't want anything to do with that right 
but I do I do like the idea of things not being so black and white. They don't need to be gray. Right. They, they don't, don't need to be black and white. Right. I'm saying at the end, you still have two sides. Yeah, there's still a war going on for sure. Like, there's good in both of them, there's bad in both of them, but there's still two sides. And one is right, one is wrong, and for a reason. But, like, one is right, and will fight to the end for it, and one is wrong, but is justified in being wrong. That's how it should be. Yeah. I'm just like, I am a fool for thinking anything different. Ugh. I felt stupid after this movie sometimes. You shouldn't be, man. You you are a massive fan of a very interesting franchise that was just gifted a really compelling, interesting, just thick with thought movie. You yes. you got you got something that was just filled with great filmmaking and great storytelling, and now you get to talk about it and think about it. Like that's awesome. So then we got crate after the. Uh... Admiral Haldo sacrifice with the light, the light speed jump in the middle of a fleet. That moment was, again, cinematic gold. Um, Super not. So then we go. So now we're on crate. There's like what, fifty of them left. Forty, if that. Um. I also like the shot when they're first on the planet and then there's Leia. I like like I like how they shot that. I like I like how Ryan John like I love I love sometimes I'll just Do you understand how much I love Ryan Johnson right now? <laughs> you probably do. It's interesting because man, like if you look at the beginning podcast, I'm like, man, watch Brick, you're gonna dig his style. You should be excited. You're like, I don't know, man. Maybe and then you watch it and you're like I'm super afraid about what he's going to do. Now you watch it and you're like, I love it. And it's like, dude, this was me. This is me a long time ago because of, oh God, I don't know. I just think he's a great storyteller. I think he understands genre and also how to undercut it. Right. Um, I like how he shot Leia right as they're right as a uh, Rose and Finn are flying into the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the old rebel base. Um, there did was we completely skip over. Did we completely skip over her blowing up on the ship and then using the force to get back? Yes, we did. I I tried to get to that, but it just never happened. I I, I think that was my fault. <laughs> I think I interrupted you, but at the same time, that was shocking. When they when the really? guardians of the when they guardians of the galaxy at her, and then she came right back. It wasn't shocking because she could do it or she had the force. It was shocking that she was completely kind of unscratched by a massive explosion. You think some debris would be like sticking out of her face or something. <laughs> but then I thought then I thought back and I was like she does close her eyes before it happens and maybe in that moment she used the force to protect herself as best as she could then went back to the ship. But I was like I don't know man, some pipe would get in there. People don't like it. I don't understand why. I'm fine I, with I it. I didn't mind it at all. I didn't I didn't mind I didn't mind the moment my nitpick is about something entirely different about explosions and the way it looks, but it could easily be solved with she used the force. Right. That's the great thing with the force. She used the force. No, people don't like that she used the force. They don't have the problem. They don't have a problem with that. 
They have a problem with how it was how it, they don't like how it was shot. They've made they made they they they, they classified it as a Disney shot. I'm just like, okay, that's how you want to see it. Fine, I, that's not my hill to die on. Here, this is what I would say to that. Um, put a broomstick under her, and she looks like she's a witch. And people love Harry Potter, so those people should just shut up. <laughs> Some of those people are listening right now. To, I think if you're willing to give credence to like people who ride broomsticks, I think if you're willing to give credence to giant monsters who, you know, squirt out green milk, I think if you're willing to give credence to a guy that can basically hologram himself halfway across the galaxy and the effort of it killing him, that that that's where you kind of put your flag on. That's the rock Again, you're gonna like die on. Like I said, on. that's not that's not my that's not my hell to die on. I'm not gonna fight those people. No, yeah, exactly. Like that kind of stuff where I'm like, ah, come on, right. come on, guys. Like who cares? Like even if it is a Disney shot, it, it, it's still not bad. It's right. Disney. They have the ability to make those shots. Let them make it. Yeah. You should you should get used to that, kids. So within so they send out distress beacons to other resistance sympathizers. But they don't respond. They've completely given up on the resistance. Um, at least that's how they interpret it. There could be some backstories to the, some of those, which I'm looking forward to reading and possibly watching because Disney's starting their streaming service and they announced a television show. Um, yeah. So then Luke came in and surprised everyone. We They had him in a... Leia had one more moment together, basically saying it was Leia coming to terms with the fact that Ky- that her son is gone. Wait, did we completely skip over Phasma too? Oh my gosh, we skipped over Phasma. Okay. Great. Uh, I, <laughs> now I here's the thing. Here's the thing. I I there's a part of me that wants to believe that Phasma may come back. But I don't think she will. That was a no. pretty, pretty yeah. brutal fall. A lot of fire. A lot yes. of fire. Yes. And a ship that was in space. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um. Uh, and I would say, in terms of the arc of Phasma, it's really interesting how the first time they, they sort of come across each other, you know, they have tension, and he kind of jokingly shoves her in a garbage chute that we're pretty sure she's going to get out of. Yeah. And in the second movie, like it gets way more aggressive. Like she's going to decapitate him in front of all of her coworkers. It's pretty, it's pretty yeah. crazy. Uh, and then that, I mean, that this is why I kind of feel a little, uh, a little undercut too by Finn's story about him wanting to be a rebel. I think it works later when he wants to save his life, but it, in terms of the mission and everything that came before it to get the code breaker, that really always all came to the head of him killing Phasma, which is a great moment. It's one of the best moments of the movie where she looks at him and she's like, you scum. And he's like, rebel scum. That's so cool. I, right. I made an audible like, yeah, in the theater. I was like, that, that was badass, Finn. You're super cool. Again. Uh, and then. Again, <laughs> it was for Finn. It wasn't for Phasma. Phasma was to put over Finn. Yeah. That was pretty I, much I, the I, whole I, point. I've actually been hearing some really interesting 
ideas that play into um, General Hux as well. Like General Hux is basically a punching bag and an idiot the whole movie. Um, yes, but if it but, was if Va- if the Vader Tarkin dynamic was reversed, basically, if I, roles were switched. Yes, if the roles were switched, but I think also more violently. The original movies lean into the imagery, of, and this is not my point, but I think it's an excellent one. But the original movies and even the um, prequels lean into the imagery of Nazis a lot, space Nazis a lot. And they don't really handle it the way that Nazis were originally handled in the 30s and 40s of propaganda film. Like when, when Nazis were in the film, they were idiots. They were not made, they were never taken seriously. Right. They were fools. And that is exactly how these movies are treating them. They're treating General Hux like an idiot. They have no qualms about killing all the people who are fine with doing their jobs there. They have no problem taking Phasma and making her look like an idiot for genuinely calling this guy scum. That's awesome. That to me is cool. I, I don't want to make that character awesome and, and have a doll everywhere and do cool things unless she comes out of that fire because then that would be pretty awesome. Right. Like... Like I said, like the tr- like the tropes of Star Wars are like in this movie are just like almost completely thrown out the window. Like yeah. the Emperor trope gone, the Boba Fett trope gone. It's almost to the point that makes you respect the decision of having a Force Awakens so much like a New Hope, right? Because it's almost saying, "Hey, get comfortable, get comfortable. This is your old Star Wars. This is." Put on a new, put on an old shoe. Wear an old hat. You're you're fun here. This is comfortable. And then immediately tearing down that person's house. <laughs> like that's what it feels like. I was like, ah, I'm starting to enjoy that concept more. Not so much that I would really sort of pay attention when I watch The Force Awakens that much, mm-hmm. but I'll certainly pay attention when this movie comes on. And I'm I'm excited to see where the third one's going. So yeah. Really emotional moment. Okay, so okay. Did we skip over anything before we wrap this sucker up? Was there anything we overlooked? Uh, uh, um, yeah, Finn really. almost sacrificed Finn himself. Finn and Rose get back to the get back to them. That's pretty much did it. Did you see the Gareth Edwards cameo? Uh, I don't know what he looks like him, and I wasn't necessarily okay, looking for it. So the old the old guy with the white hair. He comes out of the trench and he looks with his uh, binoculars. Then one guy, then one guy goes and tastes tastes the ground, and it was a, uh, and uh, remember he t- he t- tastes the ground because it was red because it was red footprints. Do you remember yeah, that? The salt line. The salt. The salt line. The guy next to him was Gareth Edwards. Interesting. That's pretty cool. So uh, yeah, I, I I thought that was an inter- I thought that line took me out of it. I was like, oh, the salt's gonna come into play, but nope. They're just letting us know it's salt. I do like how it looks. That's a Star Wars it thing. That's a Star Wars thing great, right there. I mean, like, why did you have to have a random, everyday, ordinary soldier say that when you could have just had, like, Leia do it? Or you could have had, like, Finn or somebody else do it? Like, it would have been so much simpler and a lot easier to, like, swallow. Just some random guy doing it makes it seem like it's going to come into play, and it never really does, other than, yeah, this is not snow, and it looks great. Um, Let's see here. 
I didn't actually take notes. I'm just drawing this from memory. So then the uh, we then got another big battle. It was the Battle of Crate. It's basically reminiscent of Hoth, but if Hoth was on the opposite end of the opposite end of Empire. Um, so Finn almost Finn almost sacrifices himself. But then Rose comes in and says, "It's not about sacrifice. It's not just about sacrificing each other. We also have to save the, save the things that we love, and that's how we're gonna win." And I'm just like, okay. I'm not really sure how to feel about this. I mean, talk me off this cliff, Alex. I'm going to describe where I'm at with this. Because I've had it described to me. I've read a review where it would have been like, wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been more compelling if he did actually sacrifice himself? Like, they actually went through with that? But then I'm like... I think there was a point to be... I think there was a worthy enough point to be made with Rose saving him. I mean, I don't know. Where do you where do you fall on that spectrum? So, I, I've been thinking a lot about, about Han in Empire. Okay. And um, the whole arc of him and Carrie Fisher just kind of putzing around in space trying to escape the Empire and chilling out on a worm and stuff like that, right. just so they can sit, stand around and flirt and tell jokes, that to me kind of isn't as compelling as some of the other stuff until he gets frozen, and then it goes back to being less compelling because he doesn't die. Right. If Han Solo had died, then all of the jokes, all of the romance, all of the silliness, it would have mattered we would have those moments would have had so much more weight because you realize that's the stuff you miss when someone dies. That's the stuff you miss when someone you love is gone and taken away from you at a moment's notice. Yes, that would have been far more compelling. But also, we love Han Solo and we don't want him to leave the movies. There was a better way to use him in the third one. In this movie, um, I I find it interesting that. Finn, if Finn had died, it would have completed his arc very well. You see this guy who is willing to escape and save one person from the New Order because he knows how scary it is. It's a very selfish thing to do, and basically it's a way to keep himself away from the New Order too. Um, by the end of his arc, he's willing to sacrifice himself for the Rebellion. And if he does, yes. It would have made sense. It would have made all of the animal stuff. It would have made everything that he spent outside of the rebellion, seeing the world for what it was and how how many fingers the war had touched in the galaxy and how many people it had harmed and how many souls it had destroyed. That would have really affected his decision in the end, and it would have affected us. However, the entire last 30 minutes of that movie – is about grounding your audience into thinking anything, including the absolute worst, could happen. And that's when your audience loses hope. Until the last 30 minutes. And what are the last 30 minutes about? Hope. They keep saying it. Hope. Hope. Luke Skywalker shows up. Hope. Hope. What does she do? Save him at the last moment and say, we need to save the things that give us hope. That is what she's really saying. I need to save the person that I love because I lost my sister and because countless people have been doing this. Every once in a while, we need to stop, take a second and say, no, we're not going to sacrifice anymore. That's a powerful thing 
to say when you are losing hope. Okay, that makes sense. Like I was like falling on either like I needed I needed that. I needed that perspective. Thank you, Alex. It took me a while to get there because I felt a little a little bit iffy about it too, but the more I started talking about this in terms of Finn in that moment, it, it just makes sense to me because so many people sacrifice themselves and hope is mentioned so many times at the end of the film that I, it makes sense that her trying to save something that gives her hope when she just lost her sister is the point of a rebellion just as much as sacrificing yourself. Okay, so um, sorry if that happens. The, resi- the uh, First Order blows a hole. In the uh, in the resistance space, the temporary resistance space. Now there's like 15 of them left at this point. There's less than 20. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I am shocked. It it went. It like I like, and then I asking like in nine, what are they gonna do? Like how do you? Where do you go from here? And I'm just like, they'll find out. They'll figure it out. Cause I have hope. That I like that. Now that I'm thinking about it, um, so Luke comes up. That's when they have that that last exchange, and now Luke's gonna go out and face him. But I'm not gonna. But I'm not here to save him. Leia's like, right. I get it. My son is gone. I know. Um. So Luke and he says says nobody's truly gone. And then he hands Leia. Han's uh, lucky dice that he kept on the Falcon, which I have never seen before. Hmm. Yeah, I was like, that's kind of a, that's a new image. But then again, what old image of Han would they have taken? Right. Um... I was like, yeah, we introduced. It's sort of like. It's sort of like in the second uh, Captain America movie, which is really, really, really good. But mm-hmm. the one thing that we that is that you you don't really see enough time between. Cap and Bucky being friends in the first movie that they have to introduce a flashback of them being best friends in the second one. They have to put a new scene where you show them being buddies and it's like, the only reason you had to do that is you didn't put put enough story in the first one. And it sort of feels like they were doing that here. Right. So, um... Let's see. So Luke goes out and... Faces the first order down. Then, so Ben Solo, well, Kylo Ren and uh, Hux are, um, they're manning this whole thing from the shuttle. And so what happens is, and also during the battle, the Millennium Falcon that had Chewie, Ray, and R2 um, flying around, they drew all the TIE fighters away to give the resistance a chance. That was good. Um,. There's a lot that happened in that battle now that I think about it. So so they fly off and they dismantle all the ties in a great little chase there that harkened back to... Which, the soundtrack? The soundtrack was just like, whoa. That was, that was like... It was like... I kind of like the soundtrack. And the cues for the old music were like dead on. They oh, were just yeah. spectacular. Especially now... In this moment, where the Falcon's having a chase with the Tie Fighters, and it's just Chewie flying the Falcon, and that's kind of a funny moment, and that makes me think it's a funny moment and it's absurd, but it makes me think maybe it was Chewie just carrying 
Han when they were flying the Falcon. Like, it was mostly Chewie and not Han. It's absurd, but it's funny to think about. But the castle run was really Chewie. Yeah. <laughs> Han just takes Han off the ground. Silver, right? I hear you made the castle run in 14 parsecs. And Chewie's like, it's 12. And Han's like, he says he doesn't like you. And Chewie's like, that's not what I said. I flew the ship, not him. And he's like, Chewie says I'm a pretty good pilot. <laughs> it's it's absurd, and it and it belittles Han, but it's it's a funny thought. Um, so that happens. Um, so Luke faces down the first order. Ben orders the all the all of the walkers to fire all of the guns, and it just blows them all up. But then it turns out Luke is completely unscathed. He and he and he like and he adds that moment where he just brushes off. He brushes off his shoulder. <laughs> like cool. he, he's taunting him. Brushing off the shoulder when he walks by, when he walks past, uh, I think it's um, C-3PO and he gives a wink. Uh-huh. I was like, that doesn't seem like Luke, but that seems like the kind of Luke I want now. Yep. <laughs> so there's like, your... I'm cool with this. Luke's awesome. Yes. Um. So then there, so then Finn and Poe, and Leia are watching this with all the the twenty members of the resistance that there are. Um, so then, then Poe, also during the battle, he tells, he's the one who realizes, okay, we're getting we're getting slaughtered out here. We got to retreat. And it's Finn who's the one who's like, it's Finn who's the one who's being like Poe. In from earlier in the movie, so the Poe's yeah. coming to his senses, and then Poe sees Luke, and he's like. He's stalling. And then Finn's like, no, we got to go out there. We got to go fight. We got to go help him fight because that's a fight he can't win. And then Poe's like, no, we are the spark that will light the fire that will burn the First Order down. Calling back to what Haldo said when she took command after Leia was in a coma. Um, So then he finally is jumping into that leader role. Now he's maturing. I like that growth. That is, That was so satisfying right there. And then Leia... Then, yeah. Poe is like, there's got to be a way out of here. How the heck did he get in here? Um, this so, is actually the one problem that I had, like when I was watching the movie, that okay. I had kind of a problem with. Okay, which it you find out later, like how Luke got in. But um, my other problem was why didn't why didn't Luke tell him I'm gonna stall him so you guys figure out a way out? What like what what else did he just not talk to anybody? He just talked to his sister and then walk right out there and everybody was like. I wonder what that guy's doing. Didn't mm. tell anybody. Pretty weird, huh? I mean, this is a pretty dangerous situation when we're just watching this guy. We should probably find a way out of here. <laughs> so Poe is like, um, it's like, hey, follow me. And then they all look at Leia, and Leia just like looks around. What are you looking at me for? Follow him. <laughs> basically, yes, basically passing the baton. Um, he he is the leader of the rebellion now. Speaking of passing the baton, there was an excellent point somebody in the review made. Um, I'll get to it later. Um, so, and then so now they run to the back. They run to the. So they're following the Volp the Volp the Volp Texas, which is what the Crystal Foxes were called. The Volp Texas. I like them better than Porgs. I don't know why. I just do. Yeah, no, those are better than the Porgs. I was cool with them. Um. <clears throat> so. What happens is Luke is standing outside with with uh, Ben, and Ben's like, "Have you come here to say you forgive me?" 
to say you're you're here to save my soul, and then Luke's like, nope. <laughs> He's just like, I am not here to save you. So the, your, your your expectation is he's gonna fight this guy. So then they have like a long standoff. But then your then another hint is Luke's holding up the lightsaber is the old Skywalker lightsaber, and I forget I forgot to mention this, but when Ray and Kylo were fight were having tug of war with the, uh, the lightsaber, the lightsaber broke in half. Oh yeah, that's right. So, which could mean Ray could finally get a double sided lightsaber like everybody's been wanting this whole time because it makes sense. Um, that she would have a double sided lightsaber because it matches her staff. I mean, would you have a problem with that? No, I don't have a problem with that. It, it matches her staff. Yes, that's what that's that's what everybody's hoping for. Like, like she'd be like Darth Maul, except good. Um, maybe not like Darth. Maul. I don't know anymore. Um, so no, no, that that was pretty cool. That's one of the great. That's the highlight of Phantom Menace is when that double blade comes out to the point that it was all over the trailers. And even when it happened in the movies, people were like, that's pretty awesome. So, um, where am I at? Oh yeah. So now Luke and Kylo are having an altercation. They never met. They never touched lightsaber. And if you go back and look when Kylo Ren shifted his feet, it pivoted his feet. The dust, the dust moved and it turned red. When Luke pivoted his feet, the dust didn't move. Yeah, that's great stuff. I like the little things like that. I did not notice any of that. That's super cool. So, yeah, because Ryan Johnson is great. Um, so he, so then Luke says, "You know what?" Like then Luke finally real. So then Ray finds out where they're all ha- where they're all at. They're at the back of this cave, and it's all caved off with rocks. Ray finds out all the Voltexes are coming out. Is like, look, Chewie, there. Um, so then Luke, so then Luke realizes, okay, they're safe now. Now I can stop fighting because Luke was stalling the whole time. So then Luke's like, so Ben's like, you can't win. The resistance, is, the resistance is dead. You are the you. I'm going to kill you, the last Jedi. And then Luke's like. Amazing. Everything you said in that sentence was wrong. <laughs> Calling back to how uh, Ray, how he, what he, he told Ray. He asked Ray about the he asked Ray about the Force, right? And she gave him an answer, and he said the same thing, right? And I don't think that was the first. I don't think that was the first time Ben Solo heard that heard that sentence. I don't think so. Um. So then Luke is like, everything you said in that sentence was wrong. This war, it's not. This war is not over. It's just getting started, and and I am not the last Jedi. And then we transition to Rey, who has moved all of these rocks all on her own. And um, then finally reunites with Finn. And then this is when Luke said, "This is when Luke stops. This is when Luke stops fighting." And then he's like. Ben, if you strike me down, I'm gonna haunt you the rest. Basically, I'm paraphrasing. If you strike me down, I'll be, I will follow you wherever you go. Um, and he said, and he also says that I failed. That like I failed. Father. Yeah, just like his father. Um, or like, oh, harken back to Obi Wan. Um, it's just brutal. It's super. It's a very brutal line. Yes. 
And also that he also told him that he uh, that he failed Ben. Harkening back to Obi Wan telling Anakin, "I have failed you, Anakin. I have failed you." Except a much better moment. Um. So then Kylo Ren finally said, finally just goes and slash tries to slash Luke in half, but of course Luke is still standing. So then he slowly dips the lightsaber into his chest, and it's not doing anything. And that's where we get the moment that Luke was projecting himself onto crate the whole time from Octo, which was amazing. I liked it. It's very Ocean's Eleven. Floored me, absolutely floored me. I'm just like, he's a god. He is a god in this universe. <laughs> and then he, and then he just straight up dies. And then he, and then he dies because the effort alone killed him. Yes, but I do, I do like that his last action before he died was to completely 110 percent shake the. Um, emotional and psychological ground that Kylo Ren stands on. Right. Like, he totally shook his confidence. He just absolutely 110% devastates his soul and then just disappears. So then... It Kylo's looks... like... Oh, oh. He just freaks out. It was great. So then Luke says his last line is, uh, see you around, kid. And then he disappears. And then... um. So then, did Han ever speak to Luke? Yes, in Episode Five, when Luke went to, uh, when, when before the Battle of Hoth. Well, then I bet uh, Kylo Ren has probably heard that sentence a lot as well. So, yes, um, so yeah, there was just so yeah. Then Luke is looking at the twin sunsets after his conversation with Yoda. Now he's looking at him and a new pair of new eyes. I love Circle of Life. I like Sunrise Sunset. The way you like the way you were introduced is the way you exit. I love that. Um and uh yeah, so then Luke is staring, he's sitting there weak, and he's staring at the twin sons. Ray Ray and Leia stop in the moment. They understand like they they can feel this happening from afar. And Ben can probably feel it too. Um, and he disappears, fades away, in a beautiful shot. Amber tones, yeah. and the cloak blows away with the wind. Great. Yeah, I did get a lot of. I did get the feel of, like a samurai plot, in throughout this whole movie. I could feel samurai, in this movie, with the Jedi. Yeah, it lean it, it leans into it a little bit more uh than the other movies do, but it certainly I think it gets the mystique down better. So everybody's on the on the Falcon, the entire resistance, just the whole resistance. Um there's about like 15 of them at least, if not 20. Um they all they all fit on the Falcon. I'll just say that. Um. So. Ray Ray finally meets Poe, which probably teases something between the two. Uh, sorry, LGBTQ community, you didn't get what you wanted. Damn. <laughs> I'm not, it's not. It's not like. I'm just like. That's something they wanted. That's something they were like petitioning for. I'm just like. I I don't care. I don't. Care. I wanted. 
I wanted it to happen. I was like, why not? I don't care. Why not? <laughs> it was. Why not have Finn and Poe? Why not have Finn and Poe be gay? Why not have them be in love? Why not? They they found each other. They said they rescued each other. That was a great moment in those movies. Why not have them have a relationship? It's the machine. It exists in the real world. It's the machine. What's what's the machine? The Disney machine. It's the Disney machine. How much it, you want to bet? No, it's not, man. It's the real world. Those people exist. I'm sorry, man. The best thing in the world for Star Wars to do, the most popular film franchise in the world, is to continue to re- I'm saying, try and reflect the world more. I'm saying making them straight is a Disney decision. Yes. It's the safe decision. Yeah. I will be absolutely shocked. 100% shocked if this was Ryan Johnson's idea. I will be 100% shocked. What? That Poe and Ray get together? Yes. I will be 100% shocked. Well, that's if they get together. That's if they get together. I will be like... I have... That la- that the, that exchange between the two, I'm just like... There's no way. There's no way they back down from this. They have to follow through with that. That's too, that's too big of a detail. I... Like... That's too big of a detail. You know what but I'm saying? But you also have to keep in mind that he's really good friends with Finn. Do you think that Finn has looked at Poe and been like, I'm all about that Ray girl a little bit. Stay out of my way. Maybe before... Maybe before... Maybe before Rose. Maybe. Maybe... There's maybe. A, this, there will be a book about this movie. I'll 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 read it. I'll report back. <laughs> maybe maybe there's an exchange between the two, where Poe's like, "Hey, is this girl that you're talking about kind of hot?" And I'm just like, "Yeah, but she's mine." Maybe there's an exchange in there. I don't know. You I don't will think never know. Ever you talk about Ray like she's property in a book? Um, but I do. I like your I know thing. I do like that. That's very fun. That's that's pretty cool. So there you go. Um, so Ray. So yeah, Finn. I don't know if you noticed this the first time. I noticed it the second time. I was actually told about this in a review when I first saw it. After I first saw it, was that the book, the ancient Jedi texts were not destroyed. In fact, yeah, no. Yeah, when she took them with her. She took she took them. Yeah. Which confirmed which makes sense with what Yoda said. She does not like those books cannot teach her what she doesn't already know. So there you go. Because she already she she already read the books. Yeah. And we and his line of they grow beyond who we are, and that's the burden of a master. They have to be more than their master. And that's... To me, to me, that is something... Or is that what they were saying? I think, well, when they're saying master, I think what they're saying is parent. Yeah. I think there's a lot of parent symbolism in this movie and a lot of parent surface stuff. Oh, I know what he it, said. But I think we, what? I, I know what he said. We are what they grow beyond. That's what he said. That's exactly what he said. Like, we are what they grow beyond. That is the burden of a master. So. Yep. Like, easily. 
Yeah, so there you go. And they talk about Luke's death. And yeah, like he didn't go out in weakness or pain. It was peace and purpose. And that's key. That's key. I wouldn't have had him go out any other way. Um, in hindsight. Okay, so we actually missed something. <laughs> we forgot to talk about the little boy at the end. <laughs> I think it was the moment in the whole movie. I kept holding it off, but my favorite moment in the whole movie is that little kid, man. When he walks outside and he, that broom goes in his hand and he looks up at the horizon and then he pulls up his broom like a saber, I was like, yes, that's what I want. People don't like that, actually. I don't know why people don't like this move, this moment. It's like people are like, "Why are they? Why? Why this? Why the small little boy? Like, do you why not, not get it? Like, like do you do not you, get anybody not point, get this? The whole point of Star Wars is that it's been such a close family Skywalker thing, but now Disney, the king of of the king of you are special because everybody is special." is sitting there with a kid being like, now anybody has the force and anybody could be a hero. Kind of like when Luke Skywalker felt that way. Like, that's the whole point. They don't want to talk about the Skywalkers anymore. They want to talk about the rays of the Star Wars universe where anybody could have the force and anyone could be a hero. And anyone, a, a little boy, a, a 20-year-old girl, anybody could have this power. And that when that kid gets it up and he does it and you realize it has everything to do with both, both what Finn saw and changed his mind about who he is and what and what Ray represents. Ray represents the nobodies of the world who can fight against the Skywalker jerks who are given everything and have everything and still aren't happy with what they have. Right. One hundred percent. I like. I'm like. I saw. I. It took. I didn't really get. I was actually wondering why. Why. Why the little boy at the end. Then I saw it the second time. I'm like, oh, that makes more sense. It didn't make sense to me the first time. So I was just like, oh, that's why they put the little boy in there. Because then anybody could be anybody could be a Jedi. It's like, yeah, it's already it's already a thing where it's not hereditary. Like the whole like this whole saga has proven like it's kind of got to be hereditary. It was like not anymore. Like I said, like we like we keep saying, it's a, this movie tears down every single trope, almost every single trope, and now they're building from the ground up this new I identity. Would, I would say, to a certain respect, even though Ryan Johnson is the one who crafted this story and presented it, this seems like Star Wars wiping the slate or Disney wiping the slate clean and saying this is Disney's Star Wars. Anyone can have the force. Uh, this could happen. This can happen. You don't have to be the son of a famous person. You could be a nobody. And it's we good. Have have... Yeah, and it's great. And it's, it's great. Great. Like the force, like people, and I've been told, well, the force is already not hereditary. Now it's true. Now everybody knows. Not just the hardcores who watch, who watch, the, who watch the animated show. Now everybody is certain of this. Because no, because Lucas didn't make you connect to a nobody. He made you connect to the chosen one, apparently. Yeah. And like, 
he made he made this whole thing a family thing, and like he didn't make you care about anybody who is like who didn't earn who didn't like have you know what I'm saying. So like yeah. and now it's driven home even more. It's non-hereditary. It could be anyone. We could tell a compelling saga trilogy with anyone. 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 Hey, are you are you a poor black kid in Africa? Hey, maybe you could be oh, maybe you could be a hero. Maybe on a planet that looks like Africa, a little black kid has the force and ends up saving now, everyone. Granted, they can't go down the route of Marvel and just tell the story over and over and over and over and over again. They got to shake it up. Yes, but they can't be gay. <laughs> <laughs> when did I ever no, say that? I don't care. <laughs> I did, I'm, I'm kidding. I, that's, we joked about Disney being safe. Um, yes. But that's the point. Like, basically, they're trying to say if you feel disenfranchised in media, if you feel marginalized in media, if you don't feel like people are telling stories from your perspective, we are going to change that because anybody could be a hero. Right. I mean, granted, they've had in all of nine of their movies have been directed by white males, but they'll hope to change that. Yes, that is, uh, that is. So yeah, there you go. Uh, the last Jedi, <laughs> we were wrong about everything. <laughs> <laughs> and we were dumb to think it would be anything else. Ladies and gentlemen, the last Jedi. We were wrong about everything. <laughs> uh, I I liked it. I mean, I wasn't really. I didn't really have any. I I liked. It. I didn't really have any huge predictions for Ray and who she was. I liked Zach's theory that she was nobody from nowhere. But if she was going to be part of the whole scheme of Skywalker things, there was a theory to lean on. But I, that wasn't really what compelled me or interested me um, at all. It was more so, and it should have been the thing we talked about the most, and I'm surprised we didn't, is the most interesting character out of this entire series in general, and that's Kylo Ren. Yes. We didn't really break down Kylo Ren, and we should have. Yes. Like, we were at, you were absolutely right. You and Zach were absolutely right during the Return of the Jedi review. We are asking the wrong questions. We are at. We were asking the wrong questions the entire time. Yeah. So yeah. And I like that. Yes. I liked asking the wrong questions only to be still excited about uh, what we got. Right. So that's the last Jedi. Star Wars. My Star Wars marathon is is done. Just. Uh... Yep. You got. You got to turn to that wheel of suggestions now. Oh yeah. So. None of you know this, but I made a uh, a roulette wheel because I downloaded an app because there's an app for everything. Um, um, I think we're gonna close out this year with just individual movies. That's my that's my thing, and then we start the new year with a series. We yeah, we don't have to do a bunch of series in a row. Right, we can save a series for every now and then. Yeah, and break it down into other movies and just cause then we could like do some shorter episodes for a while. But right, yeah. So we're gonna go with the single movies for the, throughout for the rest of the year. So which is about three weeks. Let's go to this one. So I made about how many did I make? I made a good number of uh how many is that? 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven choices. These choices are, as of today, um, hold on, before we do this, like, will there be a massive time jump in nine, in episode nine? I don't think there'll be a massive time jump. I'm saying maximum six years. In timeline. Ah, uh, that's a that's a big that's a big time jump. Uh, I uh, I think the kind of time jump that we would see is the one that we saw from Star Wars to Empire. Okay. <clears throat> not not too far, but far enough. I think six years might be too far. Like a okay. lot could happen. In I know six it's an years. extreme. It's I know it's an extreme. Between, between Rose and Finn, between Poe and Finn. I, there's a lot of stuff that could happen. I mean, it would get rid of Leia real quick, though. Yes, it would. Um, let's see here. Oh, I, by the way. Okay, go ahead. I, 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 Before we go into these new suggestions, which I do want to, you to have prepared for, I also have um, Matt's letter. Oh, yeah, Matt's letter. I forgot about that. Okay, go ahead with that. Okay, so Matt's a friend of mine, by the way. To clarify things, Matt is a friend of both of ours. Yes, um, yes. We worked with him before. We've spent we spent hours talking to him at work. He's a very sweet guy. He wrote um, down his Ray theory, which um, perpetuates the idea this, despite what is given to us in Last Jedi, this is what he firmly believes. Okay. Um, and this is what he wrote. Now, he wrote it in cursive, and his cursive is a little interesting, so I may stumble a bit. But I think uh, I'll get the gist of this pretty good. So it says, um, Dear Chris, Alex, and Zach. Zach is sadly not here, and neither is Travis, so those guys are not part of the letter now. Uh, <laughs> hi. Uh, hi. Uh, my theory on Ray. Chris, I know you want to say something. Just let Alex finish. You'll, <laughs> you told <laughs> He said, <laughs> he said, I'm going to write a letter to Chris, and uh, you're, this line is certainly going to be in there. I'm like, go on. Jesus. Uh, hi. <laughs> my, my Chris, I know you want to say something. Just let Alex finish. You'll both be shocked at my um, composed, precise explanation. My ADHD is non-existent when I'm writing. Zach wins the pool on if I'm better written thought or, or, or spoken word, lol. <laughs> uh, she's a Palpatine. He mastered uh, from a lightsaber. Uh, let's see. He mastered from of lightsaber combat and was, let's see, proficient in the other five forms. Uh, oh, he was he was mastered in the form of lightsaber and uh, also proficient in the other five forms. Uh, very clearly took on from. Let's see. <laughs> oh, I can't. I can't read some of those. Oh, it's super hard. Um, he basically is stating that she's a Palpatine, uh, based off of all the things that we see him do and her do at the same time. Uh, let's see. Also, from her reversed potency and aptitude, haven't uh seen since. Uh, him in the first place or Dark Plagueis and let's see in her force vision 
she sees a figure in the dark and she and he I guess he thinks that's him. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, I'm sorry. He he kind of I guess he kind of half scribbled this the last second. <laughs> or I'm just terrible at, or I'm terrible at reading Christoph and I should just admit that I'm a product of the American educational system. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> okay. Yes, he thinks he thinks that she is a um a baby Palpatine. She's a little she's a little mini Palpatine. And then it ends on you guys are awesome and um he says keep up the good work, bro. He loves your podcast. Uh sincerely, Matthew Richard. I'm sorry I butcher, butchered your rich your letter, Richard. Uh but um I I I disagree. I don't think she's a palpatine. We alluded to this in the Force Awakens. I pointed this out in the Force Awakens review. I said she fights like a Palpatine, throwing a wrench into every theory. She did fight like a Palpatine, though, with less flips, though. Um. Yes. She. she yeah. When she stabbed Kylo in the uh, shoulder, I was like, "That's very Palpatine-like." He was. He was very much so, a um, Harry kind of guy. A so so. A small argument can be made, but how would that serve the story and everything they did in this movie? Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Oh, that's what I want to hear. No, it wouldn't serve anything. No one knows who Palpatine was. They may know that that's who the Emperor was, but no one really knew the Emperor. The Emperor really didn't have any relationship. So just offer a relationship to the table now for the characters to just sort of understand would be dumb. Be really, really dumb. Plus, you have to look. Um, at, you have to look at canon. I'm going to bring a canon answer to this. I'm going to deduce with canon. Yo. Palpatine's Palpatine sends a shatter point right before ep, ever before Episode Six. A shatter point is a moment of reflection in the Force. It's basically like you could see a shatter point is the opposite of what everybody saw. So like Ray was seeing that Ben could turn and Ben was seeing that Ray could turn. Emperor Palpatine had a shatter point and a shatter point is the actual thing that's hap- that's going to happen. So he saw his death coming. He didn't believe it was going to happen, but he saw it coming. Um now his, and he said his contingency plan was to burn the whole thing down because this empire cannot exist without me. Which means he's an egocentric. Which means he probably... But he only cares about himself. I don't think... I feel like him clone... I feel like you would have to say that she's a... You can't say she's a child of Palpatine. More so that she's a clone of Palpatine because that makes more sense. But I don't uh, think, I don't uh, think. You already lost your audience. I don't think that's the case, because I don't think he's he cares about himself, and there's nobody else like him. So him cloning himself would be against that. No, see, this is why I'm I'm against that theory. Okay. Because he, he, this is why this doesn't make any sense to me. Palpatine, if he could clone himself, would not make the clone of himself not his actual self. Like, he would figure out a way to make the Force take his conscience and put it in this new body. That would be the 
thing he would do. Not that's what he did you know, in old canon, clone, apparently. Like not not to clone himself into a kind of attractive Mary Sue girl. Like I don't think he would do that. Uh, and also the audience wouldn't really accept that. That's a dumb idea. And the only other way that you could do it is to say that um, either a he was in love with a woman who was very cool with him being an evil emperor, or and who really wants to do this. You'd have to bring the word rape into Star Wars. And no one wants to do that. Nobody wants to do that. Eh. Eh. I mean, if you really want to take Star Wars down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Just don't let Zack Snyder take control of a Star Wars movie ever. Um, oh, no. No, everyone who gets raped will get lobotomized real quick. Yes. Sorry, Matt. She's not a Palpatine. I don't think she is. We'll fight about it later. Now, he also saw that coming. Uh, and the letter, the, the whole point of the letter was for him to sound more eloquent. And to be honest, it seems like it's a very eloquent letter. I just kind of couldn't read it. <laughs> but um, he also, he saw that coming. And he wanted me to ask you about your your own three book Star Wars trilogy and what that would be if you're okay talking about it here. Well, after seeing this movie, it just throws a wrench into everything I really wanted to do. Well, depending on the jump between eight and nine, it really depends on. I want to do a. Okay. Um. Actually, Alex. How about after we're done here, I will do my best to spill my idea of a, of a, of a trilogy that I have, and then you can give that to Matt, because I don't want to spill it out on the air in case maybe one day it actually, by the grace of God, it gets made and people see it coming Copyright. from a mile away. Trademark. <laughs> Trademark. Um... So yeah, I will do that. Even though I've done it, to, I've did it with Matt a thousand times. So yeah, that's, that's, that's how I trademarked my grill. That if it has a little catcher at the bottom that catches the grease. Yeah, man, no one's thought of that. Right. <clears throat> so there you go. Um, no, no, no one's thought of that, right? I don't think so. Um, so single movies to review. We're gonna do this next week. You ready? I'm gonna read the uh, list here. Okay, yeah ones do you have in mind okay so this is these are the ones i have so far you can add to this at the last you can wait, add to this wait, in the wait, last wait. second let's stop for a second let's stop for a second okay uh chris you are a massive star wars fan and yes. we just went on a massive journey uh -huh. through each and every one of these films including uh -huh. a couple of side pieces oh, yeah, and yeah, I gotta yeah, yeah. you've really you've really uh broadened my view on uh talking to someone who is a fan of something very logically coming from a completely different perspective. I have a whole new appreciation about these movies, but also I have a whole new appreciation of just talking to somebody who has different opinions than me. Well, I'm glad you put up with me. <laughs> we got pretty heated in the predictions. Oh yeah, well it's going to be it's going to be interesting when we get to other movies and oh, yeah. we start hitting other topics and different things and I bring stuff to the table and you bring stuff to the table. It's going to be interesting. Yes, I am thankful to uh I'm actually glad I actually started this whole podcast. It feels like just like a a lamenting of just talking about movies in an environment where I'm not 
actually talking about it. I where I actually feel sane talking about movies because <laughs> like yeah. sometimes I I sometimes I talk about movies. And I feel like I'm just a crazy one. Where I feel like nobody else is nobody else knows what I'm talking about. And now I'm actually in an environment where I'm talking about movies and it makes sense to some people. I'm just like, what? <laughs> what a foreign it's, concept. It's a com- it is a combination of, of, of same interests, but also no judgment. So, yes, I do plan on continuing well as long as I can. Um, thank you to you, Alex. Thank you for being offering yourself up to being on this podcast week after week. I really appreciate it. Um, this has been a really massive, I know that this has been like a really big journey and it's just getting started. Thank you, Tyler, Zach, Travis. Thanks you guys. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to more podcasts. Um, with that, let me run down the list of suggestions that I have. Yeah, I have no more interruptions. Okay. So the options on this wheel are. As of now, you'll probably add to this. Looper. Sahara. John Wick. It's it's a hodgepodge. Um, the Incredibles. Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> Surf's Up. The A-Team, 2009. 1010. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> if we're going to do the A-Team from 2009, then uh, put Stretch on there. <laughs> seriously put the movie stretch on there what is stretch it is a movie that is also made by that director it's incredibly fun it's one of my favorite uh low budget feel good action movies uh ever okay i'll add stretch 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 okay i'll add that to there um 10 10 um hardcore henry that'll be a wacky one um, Nacho Libre. Wow. <laughs> um, Interesting poll. All right. A, I, I'm not done yet. There's one more. I admit I totally... I totally admit to this. I have not seen this movie. <sighs> the Room. Wow. I added The Room to this movie. Room? I added wow. The Room to this. Because we're not just covering good movies here, okay? we got to cover the crap. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll cover crap, but at the same time, we we got to be highly uh, per, per, uh, specific about our crap. If you're going to do The Room, like you have to watch it with more than one person. You, you can't, it, To watch The Room alone is pretty hard. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Like, you, the whole point maybe is I'll to watch come, it with other people. Maybe I'll come to a show. Wait, isn't there like a showing in January at, at Willow Creek? Okay. I'll... I'm pretty sure it's in January. I think it's like the 10th. Okay. I can try to make it to that. Um, And then stretch. It would be, it would be fun. It would be fun. Uh, any other suggestions? Last second? Um, I'm trying to think in some very interesting movies. Uh, I would like... I, I want to push boundaries with you, but I know that I don't want to go too far just yet, so... Um, I, I was thinking of a, of a, of a movie called the, the way of the gun. Have you ever heard of it? No. Yes. It, I have heard of it, but only by name. So it stars, um, Ryan Philippi, Benicio del Toro, and, uh, and a bunch of other people. 
It um, was written by Christopher McGeary and written and directed by Christopher McGeary. He's the guy who wrote Usual Suspects, and he's overseeing uh, the Mission Impossible movies now. He made the last Macquarie? one. Isn't it Macquarie? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And uh, then I like him. It's a really, it's a really interesting, uh, violent movie. It's a really interesting crime movie. <laughs> I just wrote, uh, I just wrote The Way of the Hun. No, 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 no. The Way, the way of, the of the Gun. Thank you. I got it now. Um, uh, Willow for sure. Willow. We brought that. Up, I brought that up in one of the other ones. What is Willow again? Willow. I I don't want to go too much into the plot because it's a fantasy film. But basically, the guy who played the um, Wookie in the third movie, Warwick Davis. Uh huh. He is a he is a dwarf who teams up with Val Kilmer to save a princess in a fantasy kingdom from a wizard. Okay. It's great. Okay. It's a lot of fun. Um, um Okay. That's all I'm gonna t- that's all I'm gonna, that's all I'm gonna take for now. No 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 no. That is not all you're gonna take. No, for now. You need to put, for you, now. No 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 no. Oh come no. on. You're we're gonna you spin this wheel some, once. Okay. Once you need to put some Tarantino on that wheel. <sighs> I need to make a. I'm then sorry, I need I'm, to make a new I'm wheel. I'm not going to end this until you put at least one or two of his movies on there. Okay, which one do you want me to watch? I was going to watch Glorious Bastards, so I probably should put that on. How about Glorious Bastards? Glorious Bastards is great, but no, I I think you should. It should either be, uh, Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction, and then yeah, if you want to go in Glorious Bastards, if you like them, and Glorious Bastards is pretty uh, good. Fine, I, I, Reservoir most Dogs. people would say Glorious Bastards and Pulp Fiction, but Pulp Fiction has to be done. Uh, Reservoir Dogs, I choose you. I would say Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Do you want me to add both of them? Jesus, dude. Yes, man. Yes, dude. They're super uh, good. You're gonna, dude. You want to do? I'm going let me to get this straight. I'm going to. You want to do hardcore Henry? You want to do hard? Freaking core Henry. You want to do Saving Private Ryan? Jesus. But you were afraid. You're afraid, afraid of Tarantino? I'm afraid of his character, yes. I'm afraid of his characters. Dude, you don't know what you're... Dude, you're fine. You're fine. The whole... Do you want to know Tarantino's character? He's a guy like you who loves movies. That's it. He's a he's a guy who loves violence and movies, sure, but he just loves movies. That's what you realize when you watch him. You're like, oh my god, he's seen every movie alive that's ever existed. And then he took people and he started pooping out stories. It's great, dude. How have you, like, you should not be afraid of this guy. I I just am. You can't help it. Um, yes, I can. I can show you his movies and prove to you you have nothing to be afraid of. We'll see about that. Um, what is, let me ask you this. Why are you so, so afraid? Who put this seed in your head? Like, I did. When? I put the seed in my head. It's like, listen, I've like, I've seen, I just, uh, I can look. Don't be, don't be so defensive about arguing your point, man. This is, we're just talking about movie series, but at the same time, he's one of the most important directors ever. He's going to make stuff that I know you'll at least enjoy. Like you have to check out, like if you're talking about stuff like Hardcore Henry, I don't see any reason in the world you shouldn't like Tarantino. Like Hardcore Henry is one of the most nihilistic movies ever and you and you have a problem with like this you don't even know what you're you don't even know what you have a problem with 
Hold on. What? Why are you afraid of his character? What? What? When? Not what his character. The character he. The characters he writes. You're what? afraid of them. Like, this. Like, I don't. You know, I don't like moral ambiguity. I don't like it. I feel but like you have, have a. You are okay with hardcore Henry. <sighs> At least. He, I don't know, Alex. I don't know why. I don't know why. I just don't like it. I'm afraid. I'm just afraid just to be afraid. I don't know why. I don't freaking know why. It's 11 o'clock at night and you're freaking making me yell. You do know why. You're just not willing to admit it. It's moral ambiguity. Okay. It's too far. It's too far. I don't have to take Hardcore Henry seriously. All right. I don't have to. But then now but here's you're. The Why? Mm. But here's the thing: what is wrong with the serious nature of fake moral ambiguity? These people aren't real. They're not you, real people. I take it too to seriously. I care too much. But you that you don't have to. That's and even if. But you I did, do because I can't help myself. But even if you did, Chris, that's here's the other point. What's so wrong with that? It's not real. It's not real. You are safe. You don't make these decisions. They do. And you don't have to carry these characters around. You can watch Lassie afterwards. You can watch Forrest Gump afterwards. You can watch Surf's Up afterwards. And you never have to think about these characters again. They're they're in and out of your life in a moment. You choose to carry them with you if you'd like. And, and no, I don't think that's going to happen with Tarantino's movies, man. They're fun. They're crime. They're pulpy. They're heist movies. Or they're just real life people who just happen to be hitmen it's it it's it's fun he's trying to make movies to entertain people and make them think on interesting levels but he's not really trying to make you go ooh question your soul and whether you would be these people what would you do in these situations no like they're intense crazy situations that are pulpy and and dime store stuff it's all stuff that's been around for years can i just spin the wheel Oh my god, man. Yeah. Can I just sure. spin the wheel? Like. Yeah. No. Listen, I added Reservoir Dogs in Pulp Fiction. Are you happy? I just don't understand why you are so upset about the idea. I just. Okay. Like, I'm... why are you so upset? I don't know. I don't know. That's the other thing. Like, I. It, they're fun. They're fun little When I watch. When I watch Enjoy. a movie, I take it seriously. I try to take it seriously unless it tells me not to take it seriously. Okay. But at the same time, so okay, so let's say that's the case. What do you think you are going to walk away from this movie if you take away from it something too seriously? Okay. Do you think like, it's a horror movie it's where gonna the t- violence is so graphic and that it's going to make you puke? In a world, yes, it's, yes, it's yes. like they're just going to kill people just for the sake of it, just for no absolute reason. They're going to kill innocent people for no specific reason. Moral, yeah, moral disgust. Happens, dude, that happens in Hardcore Henry. That happens in Saving Private Ryan all the time. At least it's not the people I'm supposed to care about doing it. Yeah, dude. <sighs> <laughs> that to me that to me is a weird weird reason to not enjoy because here's the thing he's not asking you to like these characters he's never said that these characters Dude, why would I watch a movie with characters people. I don't like because they're real people they're interesting they're compelling why the hell do you care about Kylo Ren why the hell do you care about Darth Vader they do terrible disgusting horrible things but the fact Kylo is Ren didn't kill because, young fantasy, because you don't take them seriously you can 
but he's not making that point. He's not saying follow my characters because I think they're they're good people. I think he's saying that these are interesting people who do interesting things. Isn't it interesting to watch them live out their day and go through their life? I will give it a shot, okay? I will give it a shot. I'm doing this for you, okay? I will probably, by the luck of the wheel, I will give it a shot, okay? I'm not there to see what it lands on, so. No, okay. It's all right. I will be 100% honest. I prom- <laughs> You know who I am. You know who I am. I'm, I am always honest. Except when, except, yeah. Are you ready? Yeah, go for it, man. Okay, let me make sure. That sounds more like a fart. I was going to say, it sounds like you're unzipping your pants slowly. Oh, no way. What? No way. What? The A-Team 2009. <laughs> oh, I have no problem with that. I like Joe Carnahan, man. I think he's, I think he's a fun oh director. God. I think the A-Team is a super, super fun movie. I think as stupid as it is, like he has an energy to his action films that is kind of unmatched. <laughs> oh my gosh i i kid you not i kid you not it's exactly what it landed on i kid you i not. don't know it sounded like it was going somewhere you didn't want to go and again i have i just have to trust you on this and like, it's like it's if it's the year 2022 and we like have never it hit came either one of the movies i'm just gonna be like you know what i don't think we're ever gonna land on a tarantino film it came okay, so like it came dangerously close to hitting ten ten. Like it was right next to ten ten. It was like on the edge of becoming ten ten, but then it just stayed and it was on the A team two thousand nine. So that's uh, next week. I, I maybe that's gonna happen every time you do that. It's gonna like roll and then give you the idea. It's gonna hit one and then at the last second switch to another. No, I've t- I've actually tested this. It's it's actually quite it's actually quite fair. Mm. Oh, A-Team 2009, next week. I do seem so relieved. Uh, yes, I like the A-Team. That's a fun movie. So I will swap that movie out once we do it with another one. I'll just delete it entirely. I don't know. I, I'd say, how many do you have on that wheel right now? Hang on, let me count. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Uh, uh, then yeah, uh, don't add anything next time and then we'll have a solid 15. Okay. So a team 2009 next week, everybody do your homework. All right. (laughs) So yeah, this turned into a guilt trip real quick, didn't it? Um, so yeah. Tarantino. That's what it's going to be like when we talk about it. So we're like, Apparently, we're eventually going to talk about it because it's on the wheel they put, any put day. It on the wheel, whether or not you actually admit it if it hits it, that's the real question. I kid you not, it landed on it. I kid you not, uh, it landed on it. Hey, I believe I believe you now, but I'm wondering when the day actually comes, what you'll say. Oh, I I I, I promise I will be honest, but it did land on the 18 2009. Honestly. I like that movie. So we'll do that next week. Um, 
We're done with Star Wars until Han Solo comes out and we just trash that movie because I have no confidence. Um, yeah. Hey, come on. Look alive. Look alive. It may be all right. Also, actually, before we go, do you want to hear the series roulette one? Oh, yeah, sure. Go for it. Okay. So this is what I have right now for series that we'll do probably first or second week into, into January. The movies are... So the series are Lord of the Rings. Okay. Uh, oh, wait, hang on a second. Sorry. Sorry, let me start over. Planet of the Apes. Okay. Uh, probably just the Matt Reeves ones. Or the, the recent I ones. Would, I would like... I, I, I want to rewatch the old ones first to see whether... How many of the old ones are there? There's there's like four or five. Okay. There's not a lot. The thing, the thing is, they're pretty dark and nihilistic it's just whether or not i think you would have fun watching them so i want to rewatch them again and see if the fun of the journeys really equal out to the fun of the end of everything i can't believe i put that there um but the matt reeves, reeves ones you should absolutely well that we should talk about for sure okay um we'll probably end up doing the matt reeves ones i don't i don't think i'll have if we land on that, I'm probably going to... At the very least, you should see the original one that yeah. started them all, because that is a solid sci-fi movie. Um, so, Planet of the Apes, Transformers, the Michael Bay ones. Oh, my God. I really don't want to do that. <laughs> but if you put it on the list, I'll, I'll, I'll ask for a consideration here that I think I think you'll enjoy. Um... I think I put this one down as a joke. I don't know. I think I'm probably going to end up deleting this one. Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's too much. I'm thinking about it now. I think if we do it, we do it in phases. Yes. Like, every phase, then we do, then we take a break. Then we go back to the next one, then take a break, and then, yeah. If it comes yeah, to Yeah, I that. mean, like, it would take a long time to watch each phase, but if we all, if everyone gets prepared and we watch all the movies and we take a few notes and we kind of keep it in line and then break ourselves off from the next phase... It'll be a lot easier to do it. The DC Extended Universe, starting with Man of Steel. Uh, I don't mind trash in that series. I think it's not just because they're bad films. I think you can learn how to be a better filmmaker or how to appreciate movies better by how bad those movies are. The Hunger Games. Yeah, I think the second one's really, really good. The Matrix. I think that's an interesting series to talk about for sure. Uh, Indiana Jones. Of course. Lord of the Rings, as I said. Yeah. Wait. Yeah? Yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean. All five. Sure. Fast and Furious. All of them. I would love to do that. I think that's a, a very interesting series. Tim Burton's Batman, from his movie to uh, Batman and Robin. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, for sure. <laughs> and yeah. finally, Mission Impossible, all of them. Yeah, those movies are, I love those movies. Those movies are fun. Okay, what do you got? Okay, so, um, Rocky. Rocky, uh, why didn't I think of that? Because it's, it's Rocky, man, I love Rocky. Rocky. I started the Rocky series again, man, I'm all, I'm all the way in it, I love it. Drago! Those movies, are, those movies are great. Um, um, 
Okay, go and ahead. I wanted to bring I wanted to bring something to the table okay. that you I don't know if you know very much about it, and I have to do a little bit of convincing for you, but I think ultimately in the end you'll really enjoy it. Okay. Do you know anything about the Evil Dead series? Hmm. I have heard of it. I know it's by Sam Raimi. Um, actually, I should add Spider-Man to that. Um, yeah, I was going to say just just his name alone pops Spider-Man back in my head. Um, I know it's. I, I've seen, I've heard of it. I've seen some stuff. Probably not my. Not probably not my. Probably not my thing. So, so why do you think it's not your thing? Because it's horror. I. It's probably is it. Com, it's comedic horror, isn't it? Well, here's what here's where the convincing comes in. Okay. So. I don't think that you should watch the first movie because they're legitimately trying to make a cheap horror movie. There's actually they're trying to scare you. It's it's low budget and it's funny in some elements, but it's and it's cheesy, but it's meant to scare. So I don't think that's necessarily up your alley. The second one, it, it's there's more inventiveness and um, impressive direction and comedy in there than. There is like actual genuine scares, but I gotta say, Chris, Evil Dead Two is one of the greatest movies ever made, ever made. Period. And I think just for someone who loves the kind of movies that are energetic and fun, I don't see any reason in the world that you should not love this movie. And on top of that, the third movie is called Army of Darkness, and it's not a horror movie. It's a medieval movie where the lead character has to lead a castle uh, blockade of people against a, an army of claymation dead and it becomes a big fantasy epic so it's not it starts out as horror and i don't think it's for you but the second two second and third movies are completely different genres that are impressive in their own right mm, i didn't really intend horror for the podcast honestly it's not horror they're not horror though that's the thing at the very least the third one is not horror it's a medieval adventure movie but the second one dude it, I would say if there was any caveat, any caveat I would ever make for a even slightly horror movie, I wouldn't make it Shaun of the Dead. I wouldn't make it Cabin in the Woods. I would make it Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 2 is one of the greatest, funnest, most impressive cheap movies ever made. Ever, Chris. It's so much fun. I'll think about it. Not right now. Oh, that's a step closer, man. That's a step closer. But I'm telling you, Evil Dead 2 is so good. It's so good. It's anything not, else? Or it's, it's way more of a silly thing than anything else. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. What do we do? The Hobbit. Let's just throw that in there. Uh, if you want, sure. <laughs> I just want to. I want to <laughs> mix movie. it up. I want to mix it up. Uh, it's a god, man. <laughs> you're getting on my case about like uh, of the best movies and most fun movies around that have a little bit of like horror gothic tone to them and you're like bringing the hobbit oh you want to bore me to death all right fine i'll take that challenge um uh okay let's see there i know there's a series here that i'm thinking about oh do you like westerns at all not overly fond. Ah, uh, have you ever seen any of the Man with No Names? No, and I never really cared. 
Uh, Chris. Ah, uh, Cypressorize, buddy. Try, try harder. Try. Mm. Well, then why not the Diehards? Ooh, I'll take that. Diehard. Yeah, like they that. really pooped bed by the end. All right. Um, anything else? Um, have you ever heard of the Before Trilogy? What the heck is the Before Trilogy? Do you like movies where people just kind of fall in love and are walking around and talking and being charming and flirty and romantic? Oh, so like the prequels, except like much worse. No, man, they're pleasant and they're nice. I'm asking if you like romantic movies. Only if they have a good payoff at the end. Uh, then no. I mean, I think they're the most romantic series. of. I think it's one of the best trilogies ever made, but sounds like uh, that'd be a harder sell for you than even the adventure comedy horror movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what? Fine. It's a wheel. It probably won't. Watch it be the first thing it lands on once we get into January. Fine. I'll, add, I'll add Evil Dead. There, added it. But but you have to make the cat. We will certainly make the caveat that you don't need to see the first one. You guys can talk about the first one. I will sit back and let you dictate that. How about that? Uh, yeah, if you'd like, sure. Okay. It could be it could be a really short one. It wouldn't even need to be long. But like, my whole point would be to show you the second and the third one. The second is like I don't know if you'll love it, but I think. I think you'll love it, but at the same time, the third one is an honest-to-God-like adventure movie about a guy who goes back in time and has to, like, fight with knights and, like, go with kings and, like, skeleton, like, zombie people are trying to break down his barrier with... It's fun. It's just super fun. Okay. There. That's all I'm adding for now. Um. So, yeah. A-Team, 2009. Watch Which it. Which I am for. Again, fun movie. People watch it. And then we'll do another random one after that. So, yeah, there we don't you go. Have to do, the, the whole point is we don't need to add a lot of series ones because right. of they take so much time. Right. Um. So, yeah. Uh, I will... We will spin the wheel again next week after we go down uh, A-Team 2009. So, thank you, everybody, for listening. And, and, and here's another caveat that I want on the record, too. Okay. Like, you could watch these films that we hit on the thing, and then you could look at us and be like, that was not good, and I didn't like that, and I don't want to talk about that. And then we'll figure something okay. else out. Like that's, that's the other thing. You have an opinion. You have a choice to make after you watch the movie, but you do have to watch the movie. Okay. So if I so like, if, if, I watch, if I watch if I watch a so if, if, I... like, if you're going to make me watch Transformers and talk about it, I'm going to at least make you watch the movie. And give you the choice as to whether or not you want to talk about it. Okay. Then, if I come out... Okay, say it lands on either Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction. And I say I don't like it. You're totally okay with that. It's about... Yeah, but you got to watch the movie. You have to watch the movie and decide whether or not you actually think it would be a fun discussion. If you actually have questions about that movie and you want to talk about it. And the reason I would show those movies to you is I would say watch Reservoir Dogs 
for the elegant, eloquent way that he shoots his script. That is a script movie that was made by a first-time director, but watch the ways he shoots his own script. And in Pulp Fiction, I would say just gawk at all the interesting creative filmmaking decisions that he makes. The style that he just pukes all over this movie is crazy. I'm wa- I want you to watch him for the aesthetic and the vibes of it, and then also to understand just how much fun it is to watch a Tarantino movie. All right. But you have it's on the wheel. Movie. If you watch the movie and you're like, I, I did not like that. I don't think it would be fun to sit there and talk about it. I would just be angry the entire time and I wouldn't have anything nice to say about it. Then we would have to keep going. But the, the main reason I want you to do this is to know and see Tarantino movies. He's important and he's interesting and you might like him. All right, fine. It's on the wheel. It might land on it one day, but it wasn't yeah, today. Yeah. yeah. Um, we are watching A-Team. A-Team 2009 uh, with uh, Bradley Cooper, Liam Neeson, and uh, Ram- Quentin Rampage Jackson. And, and Charlotte Char- Char- Copley, yes. And Jessica Biel. <laughs> All right, everybody. And here's my favorite thing. Here's my favorite thing. Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson is the villain of A-Team, is having a ball. And he is also the lead of the same director's movie, Stretch. And it is the best movie that Patrick Wilson has ever done. Hmm. Yeah, Stretch is on the list. Yeah, he's on the Conjuring, and he's done a bunch of other great things. But, like, I think it's his best performance. All right, everybody. So that'll wrap it up. Star Wars is done. It's in the books. Until until Han Solo comes out, then we got to just keep up. Do you have any hope for Han Solo? Yes. I don't. Um, I have hope that it'll at least be a good movie, but I don't have hope that it'll be a great movie. I would love to be surprised that it would be a great movie, but it seems like it's going to be good, fun, interesting. Probably well-written. I don't care about Han Solo. I just care if it's going to be a fun movie. Yeah. So we're done for now. And then there's, oh yeah, there's Black Panther in February. Oh yeah, we have, then we have to talk about Tomb Raider because I'm going to want to watch that. At least I'll just talk about Tomb Raider because I'm a fan of the game. Um, so that'll do it, everybody. Um, by the way, I'm gonna try to find a way to make a downloadable version of this podcast. I know some people have asked me if it's just on YouTube. Yes, for now it is just on YouTube until I figure out how to make this a downloadable version. I heard that SoundCloud was dying. I'm not exactly sure if that's true or not, but that is neither here nor there. I'll find some other way to do it. In the meantime, though, it's on YouTube, and you're just gonna have to live with that. So. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Alex, thank you for joining me once again. Hello. Bye-bye. And we're done. Bye-bye.